Oh, look at the time. It's time for this. Yes, folks, just when you thought it was safe to turn on your radio and listen to something a little bit bland and vanilla, oh, no. It's Friday, which means it's time for some fun, time to look back at the big week. It's time, folks, for the Man Cave across Australia on Triple M. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce the Vice-Captain of the Man Cave. He's backed up for another week. He is rock solid. Ladies and gentlemen, the man behind the biggest online bidding auction house in Fishwick, Adam McDonald. Good morning. (laughs) I'm coming off the back fence. How how is everyone? Oh, Vice-Captain, it's good to see your face via video in your luxurious abode there in Canberra. Um, palatial. If it is, it is palatial. It's got two. It's got two <laughs> bathrooms, folks. It is at, by Adam McDonald standards. It is massively palatial. Adam McDonald is uh, the expert on memorabilia. If you've got a question for Adam, if you've got something old that's hanging around the house and you're thinking of flogging it, describe it to Adam. He'll tell you what it's worth. Whether it be sporting memorabilia, comics. Uh, even cars. He's got a huge auction coming up very soon. Very exciting. We'll talk about that in just a second. Our other special guest on the Man Cave today is a man that many of uh, my listeners have heard over many, many years, but he's fronted up to the microphone and he said, let me do God's work, (laughs) as if God isn't in enough trouble already. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Reverend Jim Reynolds. Hey. Morning, Rev. Morning. I was expecting some booing then, but uh, I got the round of applause. What's going on? Uh, well, who, who do you think you are, uh, the Prime Minister? <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get there. It'll come. It'll come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> the Reverend Jim Reynolds has been um, a good friend of mine for many, many years. I'm, I'm tipping 11 or 12 years now when you first rang me when you were helping homeless people in Melbourne and I was on another network and um, he rang up and we got on very, very well. The Reverend Jim hates organized religion he can't stand people who are in the religious game purely for the money he can't stand hypocrites he doesn't mind a bourbon especially if it's maker's mark and especially if it's mine he has the he he, he doesn't mind a cigarette every now and then and he's openly gay and he's one of my best friends he's i consider him a brother and he's joined us here live in the triple m studios to create some conversation and add to the brotherhood which is the man cave now it is also a sisterhood now um michelle bishop couldn't be with us she'll be with me much later on this morning with her look at weekend sport and she'll be with with us in the man cave next friday but uh it's the three of us right now so we need to balance things up so any women out there listening around australia please feel free to join us because it's not just the man cave it's well it's the womb tomb as well isn't it adam mcdonald it's been a very big week. What's what's happened with you? A uh, big week in the auction game. Um, I've just put up online on all bids a huge, uh, re- it, we call it retirement uh, sale out at Murren Bateman, which is sort of halfway between Canberra and Yass. Um, it's a Blundell's Transport who've been in the game in Murren Bateman for a couple of generations and they're all retired and they're selling up. So online at the moment we've got a Kenworth a 2014 Kenworth T909 prime mover 
Um, we've got a Ford Aero Max Prime Mover. We've got a couple of old international uh, tr- tipper trucks. There's one. There's a 1970s one there. There's a Mack truck. Um, all to- there's tools. There's there's machinery. There's all types of stuff. So go and have a look at allbids.com.au. And um, for any of you blokes that are out there travelling now and in heavy haulage. Um, it's a good a good sale for, to have a look at. There might be something you might be interested to pick up. Good on you. Uh, Adam McDonald, the Vice Captain of the Man Cave. If you've got a question for Adam, jump on board right now. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The Reverend Jim Reynolds, as I mentioned, is with us. That burger bar downstairs from where we are here at Triple M Central once again had their big... Uh, Charity Day this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a huge lineup. What's the what's the name of the um, franchise? It's Grilled. Grilled. Yep. And we tried oh, to yep. get hold of the we tried to get hold of the uh, the boss of the franchise. He doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you can't miss it because once a month, this burger chain downstairs opens its doors to the needy people of Sydney, and he does it all over Australia. Correct. Yes. And there's a huge queue. It goes around, and you see people in high vis. Uh, helping people through the queues. Uh, I think the Salvos were there and Vinnie's were there. Mm-hmm. And um, this burger chain, Adam, once yep. a month, opens its doors. There is a, a limited menu, because they've got a large menu, so they limit the menu to, I think, a couple of choices each. Yep. Um, but it doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to prove who you are. If you line up and come to this burger joint, once a month, you get a free feed. No questions asked. It's unbelievable. Yeah, look, I've been doing a little bit of research because, uh, you know, when when you were telling me that it was hard to get a hold of the owner, uh, from what I've heard, so Grilled started off in Hawthorne in Victoria. Yeah. And uh, they do it in the major cities. And the owner, from what I've been told, basically just wants to do it and not really bring about a big fuss or anything Mm. like that. It's something that he wants to do to give back to the community. Uh, from what the research I've done, it's a family-owned business mm. and it's just their way of giving back and they don't really want is, the publicity. Is it just that one that's downstairs from you, Luke, or yep. is it all... Oh, no, no, no. Every franchise in Australia has a, one day a month where they open if the you door. Think, if, you, if you think about it, that is a hell of a lot of free stuff once a month. You know, you'd have some of these big conglomerates maybe do it once a year and, and make a big song and dance and, and a bit of chest beating about it. But just to... Um, I think it's really nice not to advertise it, just to say, you know what, your burger's free today on your way. Um, and once a month is massive, especially because... Because it is a big chain. I mean, there's everywhere. They're, they're down in Canberra. I know they're in... Um, there's one in Lot where I used to live in, in Sydney. So... Um, yeah, good on them. Like, I think that's great. Oh, and, and the thing is, there are dogs all tied up with water bowls. So a lot of homeless people or, or needy people have dogs for mm. protection or companionship mm. or both. Yep. So all the dogs are there, lined up, tied up, and being looked after by mm-hmm. Vinny's people. Because mm-hmm. the, the owners are anxious that the, the dog's over there. But they're all the dogs are all looked after with water bowls <laughs> everywhere and dog food being brought out. Yep. It's unbelievable, Adam. It makes you want to cry. And so I wanted to talk to the bloke who runs this hamburger franchise, and he doesn't want to talk. He's he's trying to play it down. And you can't help but notice it because the queue, I'm not joking, and Reverend Jim has actually come up and seen this. The queue would be 200 metres. That's two football fields. Do they all get a feed? Yes, they all get a feed. And the funny thing was we only found out about this by accident because... What it, what it actually happened was 
I just got off the plane and was changing trains at Town Hall, and I felt like grilled because that's my favourite place to go oh, at really? the best of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been a fan of them since they've started. So off I go. I walk down from Town Hall Station yeah, to, yeah. to Grilled to find out, no, they're not taking any customers. So me being the nosy bugger I am, why aren't you taking customers? And that's when I found out what was going on. And uh, after an email to Luke and Thomas, and then you guys were saying, well, we saw the line but had no idea. Mm. And that's well, how it all came about. But not just that with what Grilled does. Uh, have you actually been to a Grilled, Luke? No, I walked past it. I'm not a hamburger person. Okay. Uh, but I, I should, if I do want a hamburger, that's where I'll go. Yep. Because I can't stand Maccas. Yep. I can't stand that crap. And apparently they're old-fashioned burgers where they, you know, they'll they even put beetroot on and, um, yes. and uh, they toast the buns like the old-fashioned hamburgers. So th- that's, I'm going to go. Yep. The, absolutely. And. The, the one thing that I always loved about them, they have a, another program. Now, I may get this wrong, but I think it's called Local Matters. And what they do, when you buy your burger, your chips and your drink, you get a bottle cap. And every month, and they rotate through the different local charities. So local charities can say to Grill, this is what we do. They have a blurb, and then people can read that and then drop the bottle cap into the jar. And whoever gets the most bottle caps, I think it might be a... $100 voucher and then the other two get a $50 voucher and they've been doing that for as long as I've been going there as well. Okay. We, wow. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing story. So anyway, that was this week downstairs. One triple three five three is the telephone number. So we want to have a bit of a laugh. We will have a, a, a quickie a little bit later on. Uh, Adam, it's, yep. is it a toughie this week? Out of 10, what do you give it? I think it's going to go off tonight. I okay. think it's easy. All right, so we'll give you a listen to the quickie, and if you get it right, you win a Triple M T-shirt. If we get a right answer very quickly, hell, we'll do two quickies this morning. We'll do three. Uh, also, the Man Cave is also about looking back at the news of the week and our opinions and giving you the chance, listeners, to call in and give your thoughts if you weren't able to get through during the week. And if you couldn't get through, I don't blame you. We have had a full board of calls from all over Australia from midnight every night right through until sunshine. So it's been an amazing week. And sadly, the top story of the week is this tragic story of the Queensland grandmother, Violene White, who was fatally stabbed in an underground car park of her local shops, the Red Bank Town Centre. And this was last Saturday. She was stabbed by someone allegedly trying to steal her car she died, and this all happened in front of her six-year-old granddaughter, who I don't know how, how you get over this. Five teenagers, three aged 16, two just 15, have been charged in relation to the incident. And we found out during the week that the 16-year-old that allegedly stabbed Violene White was out on bail. He had faced a magistrate's court Late last year, uh, he'd been charged with dangerous crimes, violent crimes, armed robbery, etc. The police prosecutors begged the magistrate not to allow bail, that they thought he was a danger to society, but the magistrate said no and granted him bail. And then that happens last Saturday. I spoke to some very interesting people during the week, and one of them was David Crucifilli, who was the leader of the opposition in Queensland. 
And uh, here's a little of what he has to say about the Justice Act in Queensland. In Queensland, we've got a Youth Justice Act that is as weak as water. And on the back of it, you've just got people just laughing uh, in court and walking straight out the door. And it's a revolving door. And it means that the police who are doing their absolute best, they're arresting the same people, doing the same crimes. And the only thing that changes is which family's life gets torn apart today. David Crucifilli on the night shift this week. Um, one thing that did come out of this is I discovered through Senator Pauline Hanson, Queensland Senator Pauline Hanson, an organisation called Hard Yakka. And Hard Yakka is a boot camp, a military-type boot camp that takes troubled young men. They want to take women as well, but they need female uh, employees and volunteers to help run that side of things. So at the moment, mm. it's targeted mainly at young boys with an amazingly successful rate. Um, young men who are seriously troubled go into Hard Yakka, they go into this boot camp, and his success rate's in the high 90s. His name is Bob Davis, and we discovered him during the week and we spoke to him on the night shift. And I said to Bob Davis, well, what do you do if you've got a, a troubled youth and he doesn't want to go to your, mili- right. your military camp? What, what happens then? What if he just says, no, well, yeah, you, can, you can lead a horse to water, but if this kid does not want to go to your boot camp, what happens then? Well, here's what he had to say. That is a very touchy subject. Well, because if you can't, you can lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And if they don't want to go there, and if they're going to fight you tooth and nail every moment they're there, they're going to be a distraction to other people, aren't they? And 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 your instructors are probably going to say, "Look, let's piss this kid off. He's no good." Can a magistrate force somebody to go to hard yakka? That's up to the government to decide. The government makes the rules. Um, they can tell a magistrate to do it or not do it. They can lay the laws down. It can be changed where a magistrate can refer them. But can I also say we have had many, many boys and young men who have come on the program who didn't even know they were coming. We get the parents' permission mm. to do what we need to do mm. to be able to save them. We have a duty of care. This program and myself has a duty of care to the nation, to the boys, to the families, to schools, to society in general to sort these young kids out, to make them into decent human beings and decent people that can go out on the street and help. Now, I have a number of young men that have actually come back over the years to help on the program because mm. it's worked for them. One in particular didn't want to be here. He's an Aboriginal man. I'm now godfather for his little little girl. Ah. Right? He comes back and he works here. And he is a great example of what can be done. His, his family in the past have been horrific, terrible. But he has stepped forward with the support of what our program does. He now calls me uncle, and he's called me that for a while. And I've got a lot of these young men, white and black and all in between, who have done the program, who want to come back and say hello, who want to come back and help. One young fellow who was suspended from all different schools, including an, 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 an extra education centre, you know, who is now running his own business, and he's got a family, and he's doing so well. He's got contracts, you know, in Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast, Miraburra, Harvey Bay, you know. And he's doing so well. He still calls me, sir. Yeah, that whole interview is on our podcast, The Night Shift on Triple M. Bob Davis is his name. He's an extraordinary bloke. It's a military-style boot camp that, to use his words, Adam, takes 
the chip off the shoulder and puts the pride back in the heart. He said that he's had young boys who didn't even know they were going there. But the parents said, we want him to go there. The magistrate said, yep, you take him there. And they've actually had to pull him out of the car, hold him there, and he's watched his parents drive off, and then they start working on him. And they work on him by putting pride back in his heart and taking his chip off his shoulder. Adam, your thoughts? Um, look, we touched on this last week, Luke. I think it will work um, in some cases. It, it won't work in others. There, I think with, with a lot of these kids that get into trouble, they don't have the direction or, or a lot of this, um, their behaviour spawns out of boredom. Um, so once they get put in a place like this, they realise that you know the, they're acting like a pack of dickheads, and they can move on and they can they can grow. But sometimes kids are going to just rebel get rebel against authority no matter what. Um, you know, it's great that this this fella's got a lot of success stories, but I'm sure there's just as many kids that have just gone, nah, you know what, I'm out, I'm, it's not going to work, and I'm and I'm going to snatch it. So, and I don't know if it's it's up to the government to decide. I mean. Their, their track record with these sort of, sort of decisions is not flash. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it's great for the kids that it works for. I mean, some kids, it's just it's just not. It's, it's just not for everyone. Well, his success rate's pretty good. Anyway, he's an interesting character. Please listen to the whole conversation. Listeners, Bob Davis, a separate clip on the Night Shift podcast. The Reverend Jim, whenever you hear about juvenile crime, often the first thing people say is, where are the parents? What are the parents doing? <laughs> the parents are to blame. And I received two phone calls this week from parents who said that their daughter, one bloke, he's on our podcast, one, one caller said that his 13-year-old daughter was climbing out the bedroom window at 2 o'clock in the morning to go walk the streets and see her boyfriend. She was 13, the boyfriend was 14. So they put bars on the window and locked her door because they weren't getting any sleep. They were worried sick that their daughter, their vulnerable 13-year-old daughter, was climbing out the window. They got a knock on the door by the constabulary and the policeman, the policeman said, I can charge you with deprivation of liberty, false imprisonment. He said, but how do I keep my daughter safe? I've got to lock the door. I've got, I, I can't, she's climbing out the window. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard spot to be in. So he, he, he didn't know what to do, which takes me to my next point. This is a case in the United States of America in uh, Michigan where... A young boy, 15, a teenager, killed four students at a high school back in 2021. The mother, Jennifer Crumbly, this week was found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. It's an absolute novel legal case that's rocked the judicial system in the United States. It stands as a test of the limits of just who is responsible for their children's behaviour. The father, her husband, is to stand trial next week. But she has been found guilty. A jury of 12 deliberated for more than 10 hours. And she pleaded not guilty. But the jury has found her guilty of negligence, Adam. They, uh, the parents provided this 15-year-old with a gun. They didn't supervise him. They, they were, she was found guilty of negligence because he had shown uh, evidence of psychotic behaviour and they did nothing to address it in the past. Mm. And four innocent young high school students are now dead because he went on a rampage. Reverend Jim. Look, when you've got a country that will elect Trump as president, I'm not surprised at what will happen. Uh, that one does scare me a little bit because, uh, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. On one side, you've got this uh, this mother here who's 
now going to jail for what his child has done, then you've got a father who was threatened with jail for trying to stop his daughter from climbing out the window. Climbing out the window. And, you know, I was just thinking about the father just then. Now, what would have happened if his 13-year-old daughter turned up at the hospital pregnant? Automatically, he would be facing questions from Child Protective Services. Well, she was climbing out the window and she was graffitiing. I think she was smashing windows. Mm-hmm. She, um, I mean, so if she's climbing out the window and committing crimes... He's also responsible for that. Exactly. So he's tried to do something about it, and the and the police officer said, "You could, I, I could lock you up for false imprisonment." Adam McDonald. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough situation. I think to to charge the parents, I think it's just an opening opening a massive Pandora's box. If I, for argument's sake, if I bought Wonder Boy a fast car, and then he took it out and had an accident, that's his fault, and. And there was something drastic happened. Am I culpable for that? Mm. You know, like where mm. do you draw the line to say to holding the parents responsible? Um, I think it's just that. But you know, like the Rev said, you've, you've nailed it there, Rev. It's it is America, so um, you know who who knows what can happen. All right, we'll talk more about that this morning. But they were uh, two of our biggest stories. Well, that was the biggest story of the week for sure. The other story, Bob Catter. We love Bob Catter here on the night shift, and you know, you want to know why? Adam will tell you. It's because he has no filter. He says whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and that's the way we like it here in Australia. But he got it wrong this week, but I feel for him. I feel for him. Federal MP Bob Catter went berserk this week because he tried to buy, Adam, some fish and vegetables in the parliamentary dining room in Canberra. (laughs) And he was told... It's such a Bob meal. Such a Bob meal. Yeah, he would have made sure it was. Um, he would have made sure it was Queensland Barramundi too, for sure and certain. <laughs> and he went to pay for it with a pineapple, with a fifty dollar note. And they said, "We don't accept money here." He said, "What? No, the parliamentary dining room in Canberra, we don't accept cash. It's all tap and go." And he was outraged, and he put himself on social media. He said, "This is a national disgrace. It's got to be illegal." Um, he wanted to do something about it. He said, how can you not accept cash? Um, It's legal tender. And off he went. And I feel for him. I feel for him. However, he got it wrong. Yeah. Um, In Australia, any retailer can uh, specify how the transaction will go ahead. If you own a coffee lounge, Reverend Jim, you can can put a sign out the front saying only seashells are used as... As, uh, as money in this place. Um, you, you can say tap and go. You can specify however it is you want to get paid. It is not a legal requirement to accept cash. However, it is a sign of the times, isn't it, Adam McDonald, Vice Captain? People are walking away from cash, and I see so many people tapping their phones mm-hmm. at the FPOS machine now. Yeah. It's, well, it's the end of an era. Is, well, apparently... Is cash a, dead? Apparently... Apparently, people don't. Uh, the new generation don't even carry wallets. Like, what do you what do you keep your sweet and low in, Luke? Yeah, these, these, these wallets are. You know, it's 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 it's. I, I don't get it. Not carrying a wallet. Like, if I leave the house without a wallet, I feel naked. I, I know something's missing. Well, in fact, there's a story I wanted to bring up this morning. Apparently, uh, Gen <clears throat> Zers say that if you have a wallet, you're old fashioned. <laughs> I have a wallet, and I'll tell you what's it. I'll tell you what's in it, a $10 note, my driver's licence, 
my pass to get into this building, my credit card, my Dan Murphy's card, <laughs> and I've got this, <laughs> and I've got the Cafe Aurora from the BP service station, and they click it, and every time I click, uh, I click six coffee cups, I get a free one, and the Kit Kat. Now, I'm hanging on to that. Where else do I put it? I have a wallet. I have an old-fashioned wallet, and apparently that means I am old-fashioned. Reverend Jim. Well, I've been told you're more old-fashioned if you keep it in your back pocket. What, really? Yes. Where else are you supposed to keep it? Well, you're supposed to keep it in your front pocket. Why? Well, actually, I first oh, got... Oh, my goodness. I first got told that by a chiropractor because he said to me, if you're sitting on your wallet all the time, uh, your hips will go out of place because yep. you've... You know, you're sitting unevenly. A chiropractor yep. told me that too. Yep. So I always keep mine in my front pocket. Yeah. But I've noticed when I've been walking around the shopping malls and stuff like that, it's always the older generation, you know, 65 plus, that'll have it bulging out of their back pocket and, you know, full of receipts and everything like that. And then you get to the 50s. <laughs> People in the 50s don't keep as many receipts, but they've got more cards like the loyalty cards. Then my generation, we don't generally do the loyalty cards. We do them on our phone. And then you know, younger again, and that they're all on their phone and they don't even have a wallet. One triple three five three. do you have an old-fashioned wallet? Give us a call. What's in your wallet? And do you admit that you're old-fashioned? Apparently the Gen Zers think that anyone that has a wallet is old-fashioned and you show your age if you have a wallet. Adam, you'd have a wallet. You'd have a wallet. Of course I do. You know, you know my um, stance on cash, Luke. I was just talking to a fella at the auction house today where... There's a big swap meet, Gundagai swap meets coming up. I think it's uh, next weekend or the weekend after. And we're talking about how much cash would be walking around that swap meet. And we reckon there'd be a million dollars plus. Okay. With, with, with um, both men and women walking around trying to buy stuff because it's, it's a cash economy. Uh, yeah, but no one's carrying cash anymore. All right? They don't accept cash in Parliament House. Have you been to a retailer recently that's refused your cash? Give us a call and tell us what's happened. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Just, um, oh God, there's so much to talk about. Australian drinkers this week ended up paying more for their cigarettes and their alcohol. Distilleries and brewers were absolutely spewing on Monday when we found out that this bi-yearly tax, Adam, and it happens twice a year, happens automatically. The tax has been legislated. It's been around for 30 years and twice a year. It's linked with inflation. The, the, uh, the tax or the excise on alcohol and tobacco goes up and that tax just slides in. There's no fanfare. No government has to say we're introducing a new tax because it's legislated and it's been there for over 30 years. Previous governments have done nothing about it. This government certainly won't. Not many governments will get rid of a tax. They just like introducing new ones. So the Reverend Jim rings me up on Monday because a caller came through to the program who said he's concerned about his country pub. It's a small town in regional Australia, and the pub is the centre of that town's universe, Adam. It's a meeting place. It sponsors local yeah. sport. The pub is the, the centre of this country town's soul. And he's concerned that more and more people are not going because a schooner at $15 makes it cost prohibitive and he's worried that his local pub will shut down. The Reverend Jim rang up on Monday and said this. You shut down the local pub, you close down the community. And he said this. A 
small country town can very well do without a church. He said a town can do without a church, <laughs> but it can't do without its pub. Yep, 100%. And I saw a perfect example of that today because uh, this morning I had to... Uh, sorry, yesterday morning, I had to go out to uh, Braidwood. And on the way out to Braidwood uh, through Nara, there's a town, Naranga, I think it's called. And all it is is a pub and a phone box. That's it. But that pub was full at lunchtime when I went past. So, you know, people yeah, do right. use the pubs. One triple three five three. do you live in uh, a regional town or a suburb, doesn't matter where you are, is your pub more important to your community than your local church? The Reverend Jim reckons in regional Australia, you can live without a church, but the pub is more important. Vice Captain. I definitely think you nailed it with the with the sports uh, the sports sponsorship. Um, people, it, it's a meeting place. It's like um, people from the church go there. People who don't go to church go there. The workers, every, everything. I think the it's. I mean, pubs aren't um, just for drinking. Um, you know, you don't have to go and, and have fifteen schooners every time you go to the pub. It's oh. you can go and have a game of pool, play with yeah. darts, yeah. bingo, scrabble. You know, the the meat raffles. It's mm. just a um, trivia night. Like you said, some of these cunt. Yeah, some of these country towns are, are built around the the pub. I want to hear one triple three five three. Is your pub more important than your church? Tell us why. T- name your pub. What is your local pub? What's what attracts you to it? Yeah. And will this uh, this excise this in- increase in the excise is it going to put you off going to your local pub or club? And the other question is: Is this going to steer you away from alcohol? Is it going to steer you towards maybe switching to a light beer, which will be cheaper because the excise uh, is charged by the alcoholic content of the drink that you're buying? Is it going to see an increase in home brewing? I want to know. Tell me what you reckon. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Look, there's plenty of other things to talk about. The great G-string bikini protest is happening on the Gold Coast today. We'll talk more about that later this morning. The quickie is coming up. Uh, if you get the name of the song and the name of the artist, you want a Triple M t-shirt. Caller of the week will be revealed before Sparrow's Fart this morning. Um, and the winner gets a litre of Swift Grow. It gets a Pestrol Mozzie Zapper. It gets a Triple M t-shirt and an Aussie hose. And Adam... You have an Aussie hose in your backyard. I, I want to hear what your thoughts are on this fantastic, yeah. this fantastic best hose in the business, AussieHoses.com.au. We're giving one of those away today. To win that, you've just got to ring up, add to the conversation, create some conversation, let us know where you are and what's on your mind. We want to have a bit of fun. If you can make us laugh, you'll get extra points on the Friday. We like to end the week with a bit of a smile if we can. So there's plenty to talk about. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The Reverend Jim Reynolds is with us. My favourite God botherer, the Devil Dodger, <laughs> and the Vice Captain Adam McDonald from Orbids Auctions and the star of the TV show that not many people remember, Aussie Pickers. I saw you. <laughs> I saw you on Channel Seven last Friday. You were sensational. You oh, were, yes, I you was. <laughs> you were sensational on the morning show talking about old DV, a, old DVDs. Best. Best forty seconds of my life, my TV career. That was no. They gave you a lot of time. It was very, it was very, it was very good. Uh, Adam was talking about classic DVDs and what classic DVDs 
are worth something today. We'll go over that a little bit later. Lots happening this morning, folks. So give us a call. one triple three five three is the telephone number. You're listening to The Night Shift. Around Australia on the Triple M Network, it's Friday. It's the Man Cave. Aerosmith here on the night shift getting us underway on this Friday, February 9. It's the Man Cave. The vice captain is in. Adam McDonald, expert on memorabilia. If you've got a question for Adam, if there's something old and you're about to chuck it out but you think it might be worth something, uh, give Adam a call. One triple three five three is the telephone number. A uh, little bit later this morning, Adam, um, yeah. I know that you are a sand shoe sneaker fanatic. In fact, yes. there's, something, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and the, a, a pair of Michael jo- original Michael Jordan Air Jordans is uh, gone up for auction in the United States. We'll have a look at that. It's actually signed. It's, I think it was the Bulls, was it their six-game shoe? or was it, it's one, it was a championship shoe. Is it true, Adam, that Michael Jordan wore a different pair of sneakers every game? Yes. Most of the, most of the NBA players these days will. Um, you see a lot of them like LeBron James and um, Steph Curry and that they'll give their shoes away to someone or put them up for charity at the end of every game. Most of the, I mean, most of these these guys are sponsored by um, the shoe company, so it's nothing to them. But yeah, most of them just wear them once and then piff them off. Yeah, well, I mean, there'd be a few of them out there, but this is actually signed. Um, I'll, I'll get you to take us through this story a bit later because you are the expert in sports sneakers. Um, one triple three five three. The quickie. If you can tell us the name of this song, and the name of the artist, you've won a Triple M T-shirt, and it sounds like this. Yeah, I think I think it'll go off today. I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's a given this one. So no clue this hour. No. If we don't get a winner this hour, we'll give a clue for next hour. That is the quickie. If people, regular listeners know that, that today's Friday, there is a stipulation for music on the Triple M network on a Friday. So there's a, a clue anyway. But um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. That is the quickie. One, triple, three, five, three. Hey, listen, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow. It is this amazing organic fertilizer that has Australians raving. It has people all overseas raving. There are governments who are now importing SwiftGrow because they know it works. It goes further than artificial fertilizers and it's better for the environment, but the results are better. Bigger plants, better water retention, better tasting veggies and fruit. It's the all-natural SwiftGrow. It is the amazing organic barramundi fertilizer that we discovered here on the night shift about four or five years ago when Joe rang up for the quickie and he got it wrong. He got the quick, it was a Doobie Brothers song from memory. But then I asked him, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm feeding my fish. And that's how I got to know Joe Ayub, who was a microbiologist and a genius. And he invented Swift Grow. Here is the best deal ever. A five liter bottle of Swift Grow, just 120 bucks, free delivery Australia wide. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. Order online, swiftgrow.com.au. That's the quickie. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And Australia, we're talking to you on the Man Cave right after this. That's the quickie. One triple three five three. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. Ross, good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, I think it's Armistice Day by Midnight Oil. No. No? Ah. No. Good try. All right, yeah, pretty close. Thanks, mate. Is Her he, roommate. He said pretty close. Is he close? Well, I think Church. I think he's he's on the right train, but the train's on the wrong track, and has the wrong conductor. Yes. <laughs> uh, Andy, good day. Good day, guys. How you going? Good, Andy. What's going on? Oh, not much. I reckon the quickie sounds more like my alarm at about five o'clock in the morning. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> what do you what do you get? If you burn down Woolworths, Coles. That's it. Oh, that's All right. Oh, that's... <laughs> okay. Adam, did you see the number plate that sold for over $10 million? Yeah, that was the Sydney number one number plate. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. I, that look? I was talking about, because we, 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 we uh, in the number plate game down in Orb at Carbids, um, and we were talking about that at work. I thought that was cheap. I thought it was yeah. going to get a lot more than that. Yeah, I mean that's oh. that's New South Wales number one. That's that's the biggest plate ever to hit the 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 resale market. And um, yeah, I I thought it was a little cheap, little under is what I would have I would have thought it would have got. But I mean, it's wow. still uh, it's still a lot of a lot of money to put on the front of your car, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly right. The other thing is. Um I think that the government really need to sit down with Bob Davis like yesterday and get this shit sorted out. What I could see happening in the near future is back what sort of happened in the 80s. Like I was in a similar situation than the guy that was on the radio last night where I caught a young bloke about 17 years old um, trying to hotwire my XB Fairmont. It was like a GD option. And um, I took him down to the... uh, Coburg Police Station. I was living in Coburg at the time, and um, he got charged with tampering with the motor vehicle and a slap on the wrist. And I ended up getting a three months suspended sentence and a hundred and I think it was a hundred and eighty dollar fine. Yeah, right. Uh, what did you? What you caught him? I caught him, beat the shit out of him, put him in the boot, and took him to the cop shop. <laughs> did, you, did, did you get charged? I got um, uh, unlawful imprisonment, yes. um, assault, and uh, I got three months suspended sentence. So I was pretty much, if I had got in trouble for around three months, I was going to jail for three months. And he got a slap on the wrist for trying to steal my car. But at the end of the day, what I see happening is there's going to be vigilante unless something happens. Yeah, that, I'm with future. you. That's what worries yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. And, and before I let the Reverend, the Reverend Jim's diner jump in on this one, before yep. I do that, let me tell you this, Andy. With this, yep. with this spate of juvenile crime and people breaking into houses, um, yep. I uh, I put it out there a couple of weeks ago. I said, "Give me a call and tell me, do you have a weapon in your bedroom next to your bed in case of a house invasion?" Yep. The phone went yep. into meltdown, and there are people with cricket bats and baseball bats next to yep. and knives yep. next to their beds. Because they're living in fear, and if someone right. breaks into your house and you crack them over the head with a baseball bat, and it's seen yep. by a, a court of law that your retaliation was was over the top, you're in jail. Yep. Reverend Jim. All right. Now, Adam. Hang on. Adam hang on. Hang on one second, Jim. Sorry. 
Yeah, I was about to mention the excessive force thing. Uh, uh, so basically, from what you were saying, yep. they, they weren't too happy with the way you treated him after catching him. Oh, I think it was more to the fact that they had to send him away and get his legs x-rayed because um, he had his legs <laughs> hanging out the door. And I kicked, it was an X-speed coupe, and they've got really long doors. And I kicked the door shut because I saw his legs there. And um, I sort of, I had, I, I think I had a few beers as I knocked off work. And uh, I come home, and I had my uh, old future brother-in-law there at the time. And uh, um, I give him a little bit of a touch-up, and I thought, well... He's sort of bleeding a bit. I don't want to get the interior wet, so I'll put him in the boot. And <laughs> Jesus. I didn't let him out. I just I went down to the police station, and I told them what had happened. They go, we'll fill out a report. Did you get a good look at him? And I went, I did. And they said, can you give us a description? I said, well, I've got him here. And when I opened the boot, that's when they, um, maybe I should take him out of the boot first. But, you know. but anyway, look, a lot of people that do that, you know, it's... Um, uh, what I'm getting at is that, you know, I'm a lot older now and a lot wiser, but um, it's going to get to the point where it's going to be vigilante. You're going to get people yep. there that are going to be armed going to the shopping centres. And- That's what I'm worried about. The other thing is this shopping centre with this poor woman was stabbed last Saturday. It has a real problem. And I've had listeners call me to say that there are gangs and youths. Um, they, they reckon from nine till midday, it's okay. It's after midday. Uh, where the kids start to gather and things get a bit scary for shoppers and there is an underground car park where a lot of the drama happens and cars are stolen there all the time. This is what listeners are telling me. And a security guard told me that they are instructed, It's they are hands-off. They can't physically restrain anyone that's doing anything wrong in this shopping centre and that's apparently what security guards all over Australia are told and the youths know that the security guards are absolutely powerless to do anything about it. Yeah, that's well, right. The shopping, shopping centres should save their money then not have them there in the first place. It's a waste of time. They're, even their visual, even having them there physically, it's not going to deter them. No, they um, know. Um, they know. Now, if the government was a business, they'd be in a hell of a lot of trouble now for chain of responsibility. They're the ones that are setting up the laws and they're the ones that can actually change the laws and that kid who stabbed that woman shouldn't have been out after... Uh, he should not have got bail. Now, well, that's right. So it's the magistrates as well. Do these magistrates live in their own world? They've often been described as latte-sipping magistrates who are there to represent society, and they have no idea of society's expectations. What, what uh, do you reckon... Do the magistrates need to be more accountable? And if a, mag- if a magistrate has a kid before him that has a record as long as your arm of violent crime and the police are saying, do not grant bail, this kid is going to be a menace to society and is still granted bail, how do we make the magistrates responsible? I think I think a problem... The magistrates are... They're, they're directed by the government. Now, the old saying is... But, yeah, but, but that magistrate could have refused bail. Possibly, but he's got to go by the letter of the law, which is written by the government. That's exactly the point that I was going to make. And if a magistrate is too tough, it can quite easily go to appeal in a far superior court. And, you know, magistrates do get marked on that. So their rulings have to fit in with what has happened before uh, precedent, as they would say. So 
magistrates have to be aware of their own performance being judged by a superior court. So it's the government that needs to make those changes and say it's time to be a lot tougher. Now, uh, Andy, obviously being down in Coburg, uh, I spent a bit of time up in Queensland and what I saw up there was absolutely phenomenal. You know, I, I'm from Melbourne. Most people know I'm from Melbourne. And, you know, I remember the times when we had the non-gangs walking around uh, Melbourne, if you remember that uh, little controversy. The non-gangs? The non-gangs. So we had groups of kids running around and uh, our parliament was saying we didn't have a youth problem. Uh, that's nothing compared to what I've seen up in uh, Queensland. Uh, and they really need to change their youth justice uh, legislation to get this into order because the police can only do what they can do. The ju judiciary can only do what they can do. What do you reckon the, the average age of the the judges and stuff are, who are making these decisions are? Magistrates. What do you reckon the average the magistrates are? Wiz, what do you reckon the average age? Ooh, do you reckon I, they're just out? Do you reckon they're just out of touch? Maybe we need to what? inject some younger, um, more yeah, more free thinking or thinking outside the box. Because I just think it's it's just the same old um, story that we hear from the magistrates making these decisions. It just seems like they're maybe they're just stuck in the sand. They're like they're stuck in 1974, and that's what we did in back in 1974. And and the whole world's progressed apart from the judicial system. No, Adam, I I must confess that every time I hear the magistrate magistracy is out of touch it, it grates me a little bit because mm. quite often i have to go into court as a support person for someone those magistrates can often be listening to evidence of some very heinous crimes sure you know and they don't just you know hear a whole heap of kids and then go off and sip their lattes in their ivory tower they might you know, like that fella up in Queensland with all those photos who was working in the childcare centre. Mm. They might have just heard that. Now, that is a horrific thing to hear, make a judgment on. They are in touch with what's going on and they probably see a lot more of what's going on than you, myself, Luke, yeah, Andy yeah, right. would ever see. And I think the more we say that magistrates are out of touch, we're losing the, the bigger picture here. They have to follow the rules that the government set out for them. But but yeah. just, just to bring Andy back into it, I've got to keep moving, but Andy makes a very good point. We are at the stage now where people are not just petrified, they're angry, mm. and people are, have weapons next to their beds, which is appalling in this country to think that you can't sleep without having a, a, some sort of a weapon next to your bed in case of a house invasion. Somebody is going to get clocked over the head with a cricket bat and be killed... And and that, I think that's what you're concerned about, Andy, vigilantes. Well, exactly right, you know, but it's the, the thing is what we are talking about earlier about the magistrates is I watched a current affair program there and they were interviewing a magistrate and he said to me, I've got to go by the letter of the law and he had this big, thick, look like an old phone book in front of him and he goes, everything in there is all I can do to the juvenile juveniles who come through my courts and this is written by the government. I can't do anything mm. more unless the legislation has changed and the laws have changed. It's got to be done through Parliament. I can't do anything about it but to let them back out on the street. Yeah, all right. Are the magistrates so hands tight or do the magistrates... Can the magistrates... What wriggle room do they have? Could could a magistrate say... Listen to the police and say, mm, I'm, this kid has a record as long as my arm of violent crimes. He's also before the courts on armed robbery charges... 
no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to allow him bail. What do you do? One triple three five three. Andy, thank you so much for your call. I've got to keep good moving. On, it's a pleasure. Good on you. Have Andy. a good morning. Thanks, yeah, Andy. Thank you, mate. One triple three five three. The Reverend Jim Reynolds is part of the man cave today. The vice captain, as always, rock solid. Adam McDonald, expert on memorabilia, uh, is also with us. You got a question for Adam? Please feel free. The Reverend Jim, you got a question for him? Uh, feel free to, to, to phone up. One triple three five three. Stack of emails coming through. I'll get to them in just a second. We'll take a break, we'll come back and we'll continue the conversation on the man cave around Australia here on Triple M. Hey, listen, do you snore? If you do, you know you do. If you have sleep apnea or you think you have sleep apnea, get yourself tested. My friends at Sove, the sleep apnea specialists, they can organise bulk billing for your test. Sleep apnea can increase your risk of having a motor vehicle accident by two to seven times. And it's a common problem. And if it's left untreated, it can also increase your risk of heart disease, of stroke, of type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure. It's serious. Sove CPAP Clinic offer bulk build sleep studies. And they've got all the latest equipment. But you've got to start with contacting them and say, listen, I know I snore. And the missus says, I stopped breathing for 60 seconds or more. I think I need some help. Talk to the experts. They'll look after you. Sove, CPAP Clinic, S-O-V-E, one three hundred seven six two nine three nine. When considering whether a sleep study is right for you, consult your doctor for advice. Bulk build sleep studies are available and subject to Medicare criteria, and there are T's and C's. Back in a sec. It's the Man Cave here on uh, on a Friday morning, Friday, February 9. Um, before we go any further, uh, Vice Captain and Reverend Jim, we've just had reports of a moderate magnitude 4.3 earthquake that has hit, well, the Warrigal, Victoria area. According to reports, um, it's 4.3 and it has just hit late last night this morning. The earthquake had a shallow depth of 6.8 kilometres, 4.2, and was felt widely in the area. And I've got someone online that's experienced it. Ben, Ben, where are you? Good morning. In Leongatha, Luke. How are you going? In Le- where is it? Leongatha. And where's that exactly? Uh, southeast of Warrigal. Okay. Tell us what happened. I was just asleep, mate, and I woke up and the whole house was shaking. What time was this? Oh, it was about 15 minutes ago. Fifth- no way. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, any any crazy damage to the any any damage to the house? I don't think so. I've been around and had a bit of a look. But, uh, pretty well, I think everyone slept through it. But... You sound you sound pretty calm about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, no, frightening really. To be honest, it was one of the bigger ones we felt down here in Victoria. Oh, you get them all the time. Uh, not very often, but, I mean, we had one, a pretty good one, about 15 years ago. I think it was out near Wong. All right. So you are at Leongatha? Yep. And you and it, and it woke you up? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yep. Ben, th- thanks for your call, buddy. Um, anyone else feel this earthquake? Give us a call and let us know. He sounds pretty calm. He's very calm. He's, he's a lot calmer than me. I'm, I'm sending a message to... Uh, 
to my young cousin who's living down at Moey, which isn't too far from Lee and Gatha, just to make sure he's okay. Okay. A magnitude 4.3 earthquake. And you heard it here first on the night shift on Triple N. Thanks very much for your call, Ben. Don't get, don't get too stressed, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Steve so needs some needs some rest. Steve is online. G'day, Steve. Welcome to the man cave. Uh, how are you going? Good, mate. How are you? What's going on, Steve? Uh, not too much. Um, with this juvenile crimes that are happening, mm. um, wondering if they should implement what they have in the US, um, the judicial waiver. Mm, you're what's gonna have that? to give us. Yeah, what's so that? Judicial waiver in America. Um, if you're 14 and above and you're committing serious crimes, um, when you go to juvenile court or children's court, the prosecutor or the DPP can actually put a submission towards the judge to say these crimes are too violent or they've got a history and they can actually call on a judicial waiver to actually send them to an adult's criminal court. So if the, if the, if the, uh, if the crime is serious, a violent crime... A serious crime um, the judge can then say okay we're no longer going to trial try this this individual as a child they're going to be tried as an adult is that what you're saying yeah that's what that's what they do and if they get convicted they actually get sent to an adult prison in a separate wing yeah look I I'm almost certain that uh, we do have that ability in Australia where they can be uh, uh, sentenced as an adult, they wouldn't get sentenced. Uh, they wouldn't go to an adult jail. They'd go to uh, juvenile detention first. But I'm going to do some quick research just to confirm. But I'm almost certain that uh, that already happens here. So yeah, but- if you look at the age of criminal responsibility in this country, Reverend Jim, I mean, if you're 13 mm-hmm. or 14 and you commit a serious crime like stealing somebody's car, breaking into a house and stuff, you know you're doing the wrong thing. Absolutely. You know, there's no doubt that you know you're doing the wrong thing. So, Adam, what are your thoughts? Well, I was, I've always wondered this, asking um, someone like you, Rev, you deal with a lot of, um, you're in and out of courts with um, helping these kids out. What do you reckon the answer is? You know, people say, oh, you've got to blame the parents, you've got to lock them up, you've got to take them to boot camp. What would you, if you were in charge, what would be your, or is, or if you even think there is a solution? That is the hardest question ever because I used to think I knew it all and uh, I was working with a young fella up in Brisbane who uh, I helped quite a lot keeping him out of uh, juvenile detention and then he basically... He shat on quite, you. He shat on you. Basically, yeah. He spiked your drink. Correct. Have you heard this story, Adam? Wow. No. No, he did. And, uh, you know, you think you're getting somewhere with some kids and then they just, uh, as Luke said, shit on you. Uh, But then there are other kids that you can help. Um, I think that we need to still look at it individually. There are some kids who do come from very horrific circumstances where we can intervene and we can get kids on the straight and narrow. And I've done it many, many times before. Uh, we just have to be aware that sometimes we will fail and that's what we have the prison si- prison system for. Um, there are some people who just need to be placed behind bars and we have to be okay with that. Help the ones that want to be helped and if, they, if we've got kids, even adults who don't want to be helped, that's where the prison system has to take over. Steve? Yeah, 
because I used to be a prison officer. This is mm-hmm. what I'm meaning. Like, because my friends worked in juvenile justice and they can't touch them. Mm-hmm. That's why if you don't, if they can't put in this law to send them to an adult jail, like, they're just going to go into a juvenile detention centre and think it's, oh, yeah, this is fun. But if they get sent to an adult prison and get the same rights as treated as an adult inmate, they'll probably think twice about coming back out again. I've spoken to a lot of uh, people who have been uh, in prison, both in uh, Victoria, Queensland and New South Wales. And, you know, what I've been told is, you know, 90% of the time it's quiet and everything goes goes okay, but there is those times where you can shit yourself because it goes down, it goes down hard. Should we be exposing these kids to that level of danger? Yeah, but they're well, exposing exactly. other people in their own houses to this level of danger. If you're going to commit that level of crime, you have to do the time. There has to be consequences. This is something that I'm I'm a novice in all of this. I'm an old-fashioned parent, okay? And when my kids played up, there were consequences. It seems to me that we are inundated right around Australia, not just Queensland, but right around Australia with a youth crime crisis because these kids go before a magistrate, tap on the wrist, they're back out on the streets, and they are committing the same crimes. There's no consequences. And if there's no consequences, you're going to keep on doing it. Adam McDonald. Yeah, I get you. There's got to be consequences. I don't think... Um, I think the, the problem with the judicial system is is it's all textbook and the rules are in textbook. Like the Rev said, you've, you've got to treat every case individually. Like there's... It, all kids are different, you know, situations are different, family life's different. So for these um, magistrates to have to say, well, this is the letter of the law, it's 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 not going to work because it's there, there's no... You can't basket case everyone in the same... In the same basket. Steve, you were a prison officer. Were you a prison officer in a juvenile detention at all? Uh, my friends were. Okay, just let me... I, I've got to keep moving through these calls. We've got a stack of them there. But let me, in your professional opinion, do, would, would a child go into juvenile detention as a juvenile delinquent and come out a better, more polished criminal? Or would they, would they be rehabilitated? <laughs> no, they'd come out and do the exact same thing. The... Um, the officers that I knew that went there, they were taking about fishing, canoeing and all this other stuff. If they actually get sent to an adult prison, get locked in their cell for 12 hours a day, they won't think it's so glamorous being in there. Like in, in America, in 2008, there was 10,500 juveniles in an adult prison. In 2021, it was down to 2,500. So it must be working somehow. Steve, thanks for your call. All good. All right, bye bye. One triple three five three. Thanks, Steve. When I spoke to Pauline Hanson during the week, she said that she believes that uh, juvenile detention in Australia is a holiday camp. They have basketball courts, swimming pools, they have widescreen televisions, they have playstations, three meals a day. Pauline Hanson said on this program that she believes that there are some kids who deliberately commit crimes to get put into detention because life is better and safer there than it is in their own homes. If that's true, that's tragic. It is absolutely tragic, which is why I don't think we should be changing it too much. Uh, I do sometimes wonder if we shouldn't run these juvenile detention centres like a jail. I'm very much opposed to putting young people into a, a an adult jail. I think that's just a, a wrong step, but maybe yeah. creating tougher juvenile detention centres that are set up like that.
All right, 13353 is the telephone number. Lots to talk about. We're going to have some fun this morning as well. The great big G-string bikini protest is on the Gold Coast today. We'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, you know some songs, they've been around for a while, but you, you hear them, and if they're used in a movie, it's that scene in the movie that remi- that song reminds you of. And uh, like, for example, Bohemian Rhapsody um, and uh, Mike Myers when they sing it in the car. Yep. What was yes. that? What was that movie? Uh, uh, Wayne's World. Yeah, Wayne's World. There you go. And you hear Free Falling, uh, and I think of Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise in the car, singing it loud. Oh, that's funny how the, the songs can bring back images. One triple three five three. It's the Man Cave. The Quickie. Come on, folks. It sounds like this. And the clue is, it's a nineteen eighties song. We knew that because it's Friday, but it's a 1980s classic. That's the song. One triple three five three is the number. Just quickly, uh, Paul is in Pakenham in Victoria. Paul, you felt the earthquake. What happened? Yeah, it did, mate. Um, probably about 20 minutes ago. Um, came through and um, pretty much shook the house a little bit and um, rattled the gate and stuff like that. Thought it was a bit like a semi going through town. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty um pretty big, but um not that massive. So not much damage down there. No, no, no damage at all. Just shook the house a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm I'm probably about forty five minute drive from Warrigal, so um yeah, not too bad from here, but um certainly noticeable. Um, I was lying in bed and it certainly got my attention. I was thinking, was that an earthquake or not? It's one of those type of things. Well, good on you, Paul. Thanks for the report, buddy. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Right. Okay, there you go. Um. Just for those who have just joined us, uh, a magnitude 4.3 earthquake has been reported in the South Gippsland area. Gippsland? Gippsland. It's Gippsland. Gippsland. Um, Borbor, Victoria. Borbor, yep. Um, uh, near Warrigal. 26 k's from Warrigal. Yep. And, um, yeah, it uh, happened about uh, 20 minutes ago, according to our, our callers. Reese Bosley uh, rings the program from time to time, uh, Vice-Captain. He is a budding politician. He's looking to run for the seat of Algester in Brisbane. He's on the line. Reese, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. What's going on up there? Oh, well, it's just been terrible with, um, uh, with the alleged mur- murder at the beginning of the week. Um, more on the weekend. It was... Yeah, you wouldn't be too far from there, would you, Reese? No, I, I actually, my mother lives um, in 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 that area, and she goes to one of the shopping centres that was named the same. It was a different one, but when I heard, I didn't know whether or not it was her. So I was beside myself because she's about the same age. And then I clicked that there was the little girl as well, and it couldn't have couldn't have been mum. But just um, horrible, horrible thing for the family and and for everybody. Um, in in that location yeah. as well, and to find out that this kid was on bail, mm. was on bail. That's what that's what I mean. And and God, that that poor woman's six year old granddaughter that was there as well. It's just dreadful, Reese. Yeah, it's it's unfair. If somebody's you know they've got this uh, detention as last resort. If somebody has violent tendencies, a hint of violence, they should be they should be uh, be locked away until they've until their court case has been seen. The kid was um, was an armed robber, apparently. So, 
you know, it's I just I just can't fathom the thinking. It's 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 just it's it's willful yeah. willful ignorance. Um, I've got a petition running. I've, I feel very strongly that we should have an effective, non-lethal means to defend ourselves, right. um, which we don't have in Queensland. So I've had a policy for that ever since I started, that we should have legalised uh, pepper spray, tasers, stun guns, batons, similar. And I've actually got a petition Ooh. running on the Queensland Parliament website now for, for that. That's the... the, the I think the... um. Go, go, Rev. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, so, sorry, did I hear you correctly? Pepper spray and tasers? Pepper, uh, tasers, tasers, yep. Wow. So are you suggesting that civilians be able to fight Defend back? Defend themselves, and, yeah. And, and you're, uh. you're, you're suggesting pepper spray and tasers? We, we should be armed with pepper spray and tasers. Whoa. Is that what you, I just want to get this clear. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Reese, I'm so sorry, but I'm just so sitting tell- back in shock. Adam, you go. I'm speechless. Tell me this, Reese. Tell me this, Reese. Who decides? Who decides? Who gets the pepper spray? How? Who? Okay. Who? Who says? All right, you're of you're of sound mind and body. You get the pepper spray, and you're you're a criminal. You don't get it. Okay. So first of all, pepper spray is legal in in Western Australia. Has been for twenty years. Um, yeah. I have. And I get mm. the same reaction from a lot of people. Um, I have not heard of any. Um, significant misuse of pepper spray. I've, I've searched for it and I have not heard of it that it's a weapon of choice. Criminals already have weapons. They can go straight to a kitchen knife and, um, and get a kitchen knife and they've got a we- weapon right there. So all that we would be doing would be evening up the odds towards uh, good people being able to defend themselves and in particular people who are not like me um, six foot tall um, big with 15 years of martial arts training who, can't, who have a hard time looking after themselves. Yeah. Um, older people, women. Yeah. Um, I get it. And, and, and also, um, you could do a background check, um, a, a criminal history check to make sure that people don't have violence offenses, uh, violent offences and you would minimise the risk of, uh, of those items ending up in, in the wrong people's hands. But okay. I... Yeah. Sorry, Reese. I, I I can go with the pepper spray. Adam McDonald is bursting. <laughs> Adam's bursting. I think, I think we're both bursting. Yeah, going. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going I'm going to give it to you, Rev. Okay, thanks. Um, I can go with the pepper spray. I can understand the pepper spray, but a taser. Now, I got to do some uh, weapons training and stuff like that with uh, with a couple of different organisations, and the one thing they always said was never, ever, ever present a weapon that you can't keep a hold of if somebody takes if somebody takes that taser then they have a a weapon and look what's happening uh down on the south coast with that uh police officer who did kill somebody well manslaughter sorry alleged manslaughter these things aren't exactly less than lethal and having them out and about really really concerns me uh you know I, i would suggest that all right Two, two things. Um, one, tasers in particular, the civilian versions of the tasers are shorter range than the police ones for a start. And I think the purpose of that is so that the police can always outrange somebody. So that's one one thing. But the tasers, I believe, have a place because inside a house, the pepper spray, they're, 
the um, the spray itself could impact people in the house, um, whereas the taser is obviously more targeted. But I I, I just um, I just emphasise people keep saying to me, oh, but what if somebody uh, takes it off you? If if an armed criminal exactly. is already got a uh, is already got a knife, um, gets close enough to take the weapon off you, mm. do you think that's your biggest problem? Um, you, you're going to be punched but full Reece, of holes. Reece, Reece, riddle, riddle me this, Reese. If Auntie Joan is going down the local shops, she gets mm. accosted by two young burly teenagers that are threatening her, that who are talking to her in a threatening manner. They don't have any weapons. They're just saying, give me your purse, Auntie Joan. And Auntie Joan goes, hang on, I've got a taser in my handbag. These menacing criminals are going to snatch the handbag and hit up Auntie Joan with it. Like Reverend said, unless you can hang on to it, it's it's just another something else that these people are going to take off you and use it against you. Let's ask our listeners, one triple three five three. what do you make of it, folks? Um, Reese Bosley is with us. Uh, he's an independent candidate for the seat of Algister in Brisbane. And he's absolutely shocked to the core by the violence we've seen in, in Brisbane this week. He is suggesting that civilians, us, we, have, we should have the right to carry a, a, a taser or a pepper spray or both. Uh, you, you mentioned a baton, Reese. Yep. A, or a baton. We had a caller earlier on. So, look, I'll tell you, plenty of my listeners now have a weapon next to their bed. Mm-hmm because of the threat of home invasions. Should all Australians have the right to carry a taser and pepper spray for self-defence purposes? One triple three five three. Call us up now and let us know what you think. Reese, you've got a petition going. Yes, I do. It's on the Queensland Parliament website. Okay. Let's let's see what our listeners say. All right, great. Yeah, put it out there. I've put it out there for you now, Reese. Okay, thanks. Okay. As I said earlier, Reese, um, a few weeks ago I did a poll here on the night shift. I said, how many people listening now have got a weapon next to their bed? And the phone went into meltdown. So, mm. many, so many people have already got a cricket bat or a baseball bat there. Or a knife. Because, <laughs> but the bottom line is people don't feel safe. That's what's got to be addressed, isn't it? Precisely. Good yeah. on you, Reese. Oh, you're always welcome, mate. You get people thinking. Uh, we may not agree thanks, every Reece. time, but wouldn't it be boring if we did, eh? Okay, thanks, guys. Reese, please feel free to continue ringing. We enjoy, I enjoy your company. Okay, thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Reese. Adam, you're, thanks, sh- mate. you're shaking your head. Look, I think, I think something's got to be done, but I think everyone, I think arming everyone is not the answer. It's, I think it's, you've got to prevent it rather than dealing with it. I mean, if every, it's just going to turn into America. Like, it's, the Americans think if everybody's got guns, no one's going to shoot each other because everybody's got a gun. It doesn't work. It's, it's just a, it's more weapons, more things that can go wrong out on the streets. I, 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 I don't think it'll work. One triple three five three. This is your chance to have your say. It's the man cave here on Triple E. This is the night shift. Night Shift on the Triple M Network. Adam, Nature B, Power Pollen. I've been on it 23 years this year. I met Jeff Cook in the year 2000, and my life has not been the same. Um, I used to take, I used to spend a fortune on multivitamins from the shop, and I had no idea how they were manufactured or what was in them. And I know a lot of my listeners who need to be alert during these small hours resort to, you know, high caffeine, high sugar drinks. Tell the folks how Nature Bee changed your life. 
changed my life um, just with my immune system. Um, I mean, it's quite a, a public, well-known in public that I had a terrible accident and my recovery through that accident was literally problem-free. I had no infections, no setbacks, no no delays, no anything. And I put it down to the nature B. I mean, I were, was looking after myself, but my immune system was at its peak when it needed to be. And I literally, I started taking nature B just before that accident um, when I first started yeah. on here with Luke and, and went, met Cookie. And, um, you know, I was living a, a fairly loose lifestyle before that, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to put it bluntly. But um, I mean, the nature bee—it's just—it's just—it's a—it's a food. It's you can't overdose on it. A couple of golden capsules a day, and um, your, your immune system, your your, your concentration—it's just so good for you. It is, and you get a money back guarantee. I wouldn't endorse it unless it came with that, and I wouldn't endorse it if it didn't work. It is a natural food. Just Google health benefits of pollen. It's all there. Nature bee's power pollen is potentiated, which means it's been milled. The husk is broken of the pollen and the goodness goes into your bloodstream. You won't believe it. Tell you what, you, you, when you run out, that's when you know how good it is. Yeah. And right now, they're giving a week away for free. Give it a go. Twenty nine ninety five, Nature B, and they'll throw in an extra week's supply for new customers. Stocks are limited. Hurry up. 1-800-147-009. Powerpollen.com.au. Back in a sec. Oh, we're getting fired up this morning. I, I do want to have a bit of fun. We're going to talk about the great G-string bikini debate that's going on in Australia at the moment. And there is a protest on the Gold Coast today. <clears throat> um, we'll, I'll tell you more about that. Uh, a, a bunch of Australian women have taken umbrage to one gentleman's uh, comment in the local newspaper that the G-string bikini bottoms should be banned. More on that a little bit later on. But Adam, you're fired up. Yeah, I'm a little bit um, put out by this, everyone having tasers. I think having people wandering around with tasers is just, a, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster. If, if you put half the people, arm half the people with tasers, it's going to create a black market for tasers. So then Auntie Joan, who needs money for groceries, she's going to flog her taser to some idiot down the pub for a hundred bucks so she can make ends meet. Then all of a sudden there's this whole undercurrent of black market for these weapons of, um, so-called self, um, Defense. Self-defense. So I just think the the whole premise of if, if everybody's armed and no one's going to use it is is ridiculous. Um, I, 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 I can't even get the words out. You um, are. How that, silly the idea is. The, the vice captain is stumped on this. One triple three five three. Rogers in Hobart. Roger. Good day. Welcome to the man cave. What do you got? How are you, Loki? Great, thanks, Listen, buddy. Mate, the taser laws are the same as the gun laws in Tassie, mate. They're only as good as the person giving them out. What's the story in Tassie? Well, I know of at least one person in Tassie down here committed a serious offence in another state, and I'm in a serious offence in another state. Comes to Tasmania, gets a gun licence, right? I ring the licensing bureau down here to find out how this happens. You know what I was told? It was done on the, the licences are given out on the individual person's pre-past history. Right. Now, this person committed a pretty serious crime in another state, and I mean, put it this way, it was... If you go to jail for it, you go to jail for it for 10 years. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yet he can come to Tasmania and get a gun licence because one person decides, oh, he hasn't been in trouble for 10 years, with the gun licence. 
And so th- well, see, that's exactly my point. Like, who decides who gets the tasers? Who decides this? Like, if and and, and you could fabricate your past. Like, it's just it, it, got, it won't work. The offence he got jailed for involved the bloody gun. There you go. Yeah, that's just absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. And it is. It's nuts. And yeah, give it. Yeah, give it. The offence was twenty years ago, but people don't change that much in twenty years. Well, given the, given the, perspective, the person's place, situation, and all, um, now he's got a gun. He's got a gun sitting in his own cupboard. How's it work? Well, that's it's absolutely crazy, and and this is one of the biggest problems that we have in Australia, is the the states and the territories don't talk to each other. So you know, I can understand if the person didn't didn't do a similar offence in another state. It was serious, but it was wasn't a similar offence. But this actually involved a gun. Yep. Yep. And look, talking about, you you just reminded me of something there. You know, I know that in Melbourne, uh, uh, those pellet guns are banned. I don't know about uh, Tasmania, but I know a lot of people who drive up to Queensland and buy these uh, uh, air guns guns, and uh, bring them straight straight down. Tasmania, you've got got to have a gun license. As far as I know, to have a pellet gun. Oh, there you go. Those pellet those pellet guns are illegal in New South Wales, but are very, very easy to source. Mm. Yeah, yep. I know... You can order one off the internet that for and have, f- it in your, have it in your driveway tomorrow. I know that for a fact, yes. Um, gel blasters, is that, that's what we're talking about, those uh, That's six? the one, yes. I, sorry, Adam, yeah. I couldn't think of the name of them. I have no that's idea. That's all right. I'm, I know, I'm, I know, I know, I know what, what they are. I know what you're talking about, yeah. They're like little air guns that sh- that shoot tiny little water-filled pellets. The pellets don't hurt, but um, they they, they look it look it it you get it looks like one, a, it looks like a pistol. Yeah, you get shot with one of those pellets in less than two and a half meters and tell me it doesn't hurt. It's like a slug gun. Oh wow! It's true. Wow. It's true. I've um yeah true. I've been hit by a couple. See when I, I when I when I was at the Gold Coast, I was really shocked to see these. Uh, and let's call them what they are, firearms on display. Now, I started having a chat to the guy behind the counter because I'm a nosy bastard, and Mm -hmm. apparently they've got competitions and people have a lot of fun with these products, but I can also see how they can be used in the wrong hands as well. I'll I'll, I'll level with you. My, My teenage son has a couple, and we had, for one of his birthdays, he had a gel blaster party. Yep. Where we had like a little siege in the backyard, and it was all it was all fun and games. The kids were wearing goggles and helmets and and protective gear. It was fine, but I totally agree with you. They they are firearms, and if you were if you're out on a dark on a dark street in a dark lane, and someone pulled like he's got one that looks like a revolver, and if you pulled that out, I'd shit myself. I'll I'll give you the tip. I'd, yeah, I'd think yeah, of course real. it would. Of course it would. Yeah, they, they look pretty. Yeah, all right. in, in, in but, okay, but but the question we're asking is, should Australians have the right to arm themselves with tasers, pepper spray, and batons. That's 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 where we're, we're at this morning. Um, Adam, you're not convinced, Reverend Jim? Nah. Okay. For me, I am more than happy to say let's go with a pepper spray. Now, the reason why I say that is because I've got a 17-year-old niece, and one of the things I've told her to do is, you know, the little travel spray deodorants. I've said to her, carry one of those in your pocket because at least you can spray someone in the eyes and run if they're going to attack you. Pepper spray's not that much different. Yes, it, it's certainly going to hurt a lot more and it, and it is a weapon. 
The batons I'm okay with because a lot of people have got baseball bats. A taser is totally... We're on a totally different level. We're talking about something that conducts electricity that we can't normally get by other means. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you there. And same with knives. I think knives are out because yep. they're, 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 they're life-ending... You know, you can hit someone with a bat, it's a thud. We hit, hit someone with a knife, it's, it's, no, it's dramatic. A knife, a knife is a deadly weapon. Yeah. Mm. What about a baton? He was saying we, we, we should be able to have batons. Yeah, I'm happy with the batons because, you know, uh, as long as you're trained on how to use them. Knuckle dusters? How are we with knuckle dusters? Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, no, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, my... We all know one. my son, Wonderboy, he's right into martial arts. He's quite skilled at jiu-jitsu. He does some of the um, kickboxing and boxing, and he does all this. And his coaches, they all say, if you are accosted by someone in a knife, with a knife, your best um, defense is hightailing it out of there. There's no shadow of a doubt. You run. You don't stand there and fight. You get get out of there. One triple three five three. It's the Man Cave here on Triple M. Hey, listen, here's the, the quickie. It's a 1980s song. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. I'll give you another clue if we don't get a winner by the top of the hour. The boys are fired up. You need some... Adam, just wash your face and take a deep breath, okay? <laughs> Going to go get another coffee. Go and get another <laughs> coffee. Back in a sec. Now, Vice Captain, so yeah. last week, that was the quickie, Hungry Like the Wolf. Duran Duran and um, no one got it and at about quarter past four I get a text from my good mate and perennial pest Mark Beretta from Channel 7 Sunrise and he's texted me and he's been doing this for seven years seven years right he's been texting trying to have a crack at the quickie and just bear in mind that Barretts comes from the Triple M family uh, yep. he worked on Triple M in Melbourne he was a music jock at one point, knows his music, but he's never, ever got the quickie. In fact, in seven years, he's never got the artist. <laughs> so he's texted me, and I knew that he'd finally got it. So I said to Thomas, get Barrett's on, because I wanted to talk to him about Lewis Hamilton going from Ferrari to, um, to, uh, to, yeah, Ferrari to Mercedes. Anyway, so I said to Barrett's, and oh, by the way, I said, Barrett's, did you want to have a go at the quickie? He goes, well... Have a listen. Of all the years that Mark Barretta, Channel 7 Sunrise, has been, he, he's a pest. He's texting me and texting me every morning. Is it this? Is it this? And he's never got even the artist right, let alone the artist in the song. Never yeah. once. Maybe, maybe better if I stick to sport than music, I think. Anyway, I'm going to give you another shot. Yep. Mark Barretta. What's the quickie? Is it hungry like the wolf Duran Duran? Oh, thank Christ for that. <laughs> oh, Barrett. Got that on an Oh, thank oh, God. The monkey's so off good, the back. Luke. The monkey's Luke, off. This... There we are. So, anyway, it was a running joke on Sunrise all last Friday. Barretts has won the quickie. So, <laughs> we're going to get him a T-shirt, and he's promised, 
and let's hold him, vice captain. Let's hold him to this. He's yep. promised he's going to wear it on sunrise when it arrives. So let's see what happens, eh? So there you are. That was Mark Beretta winning the quickie this time last week. Bit of fun. So here is the quickie today. It's worth a Triple M t-shirt. Sounds like this. We need a new clue. I'm going to give away a clue. It's an Australian band. It's an Australian band. Is that, is that fair, Adam? That's very fair. That's the quickie. One triple three, five three is the telephone number. Um, have a crack and uh, let's see how good you are. Um, Adam McDonald, Vice Captain, you have an Aussie hose. Tell the folks about it. I finally got one. It came, I've installed it in the backyard. I attached it to the wall and uh, wifey absolutely loves it. She used to get the shits with taking the green hose out. Um, watering the garden, then rolling it back up and bringing it inside. But this Aussie hose, it's all cased. It's all housed in a wall mount, um, sort of a wall mount casing. And you just pull it out, self-retracting, doesn't kink. Um, it's great. Like, she's she's absolutely loving it. It is the best hose I've ever... In fact, we got three. We got one up the very front of the property. We got one down the bottom of the driveway. And we got one out the back. And it's the best things we best thing we've ever done. And did you know if you're one of the first ten callers this morning, as an additional bonus, you're going to get the twenty five meter hose for the price of the twenty meter hose. Well, how long is yours? I'm sorry, 25. How, your hose. I mean, twenty five. I twenty five. Come you, on, the reverence here, Luke. Keep you, it all above you, board. You got the twenty five. So yes. So you're going to get the 25-metre hose, an extra five metres for the price of the 20-metre hose, but you're going to be one of the first 10 callers through now. Or go online and order and say you heard it with Luke on Triple M. No more wrestling with messy, tangled garden hoses. Just one click, and the auto hose, as Adam said, it retracts automatically and easily into its housing. And you know what, Adam? They will come to your home anywhere in Australia and install it for you. They'll, they'll put it up on the wall if that's what you want. And if you've got a leaking tap, while they're there, they'll fix it. So why don't you get them? Money back guarantee. It comes with a warranty. It is the best hose ever. 25 metres for the price of the 20, but only 10 this morning. AussieHoses.com.au. I love mine. Adam loves his. One three hundred three eight four one six five. Leave a message. Secure your booking. Make sure you say I heard it with Luke on Triple M, and uh, it'll it'll arrive at your place. They deliver it anywhere in Australia. AussieHoses.com.au. Back in a sec. In the man cave today, uh, obviously the vice captain Adam McDonald. And if you've got a question for Adam, who was an expert in memorabilia. And ephemera, I love that word. It's your favourite. Oh, I love it. Ephemera. Ephemera. You, you could name your daughter that, and people would think that was... <laughs> couldn't you? What's your daughter's name? Oh, ephemera. Don't you reckon that's... <laughs> Meaning paper product. Don't you reckon? <laughs> hey? <laughs> anyway, uh, Adam McDonald, expert in memorabilia. Um, if you want, if you've got a question for Adam, give him a call. Um, a demonstration urging attendees to... Are you ready for this, folks? Free the peach has been planned on the Gold Coast today after a local businessman called for a ban on G-string bikinis. Both men and women have been urged to meet at Karawa Beach at 6 o'clock this morning to support freedom of choice 
when it comes to beachwear. Bar, body and swim founder Rebecca Pask has organised a demonstration labelling the suggested ban on bikinis as unwarranted and unwelcome. Now, what happened was during the week, a, a bloke called Ian Grace made a, a, a call in a letter to the Gold Coast Mayor Tom Tate saying that the G-string bikini is unnecessary and it should be banned. Um so Miss Pask has taken to this and said, no, nah, women have a right to wear whatever it is they want to wear. Times have changed. And so they've got a protest on the Gold Coast this morning at six o'clock, folks. It's called Freedom of the Peach. The G-string bikini, it has really come into fruition, I think, over the last oh, maybe 10 years. Bare bottoms are everywhere. Now, if this sort of thing was around when I was 13, I'd have never got any sleep. But then, <laughs> but, but having said that, once you're exposed to this sort of thing all the time, you, de- you get desensitized. And now it's just, I mean, there, it's bot- there are bottoms everywhere. Um, one triple three five three. we'll throw this into the mix this morning because the protest is on this morning. Should the G-string bikini be banned? Is it offensive? And could it be argued that budgie smugglers on men are just as offensive? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Vice Captain, your thoughts? Um, this guy, this fella's who's trying to ban him. He's from the Gold Coast, yeah. Yes. If you don't like it, get off the Gold Coast. Like it's Gold Coast is synonymous with that sort of swimwear. That's that's what the Gold Coast is. It's like going to the eastern suburbs of Sydney and saying you're not allowed to drink a latte. It's like going to Bundaberg and saying you're not allowed to drink rum. Um, I think it's, it, I think it's ridiculous. You should be able to wear what you want, and I think you know it at there, Lugie. I think if if the the G string goes, the budgie smugglers have got to go because they're just as they're just as um, as revealing. Put it that way. The Reverend Jim, I I'm in agreement uh, with you, Adam. Uh, now, if this was before my time, you guys can remind me. But didn't they have? Uh, Parking officers or something dressed in bikinis up on the Gold Bic- Coast. Uh, yeah, bikini yeah. mate. Uh, what were they? The meter, uh, they, they, they were meter mates. Meter maids. The That's meter right. mates. They were meter mates, but they were in bikinis and they had a sash. Yes. And it was a Gold Coast tourism promotion that went off. It was fantastic. It was, it was during the seventies, and uh, they would go. And if you, if your meter was about to run out, they'd put uh, money in for you. It was a novelty promotion for tourism, but they were meter maids. And yes, at the time there was protests from the Sanchu Brigade, who had just moved to the Gold Coast, they thought it was obscene. Yep. It, look, I'll be honest with you, when I see people, uh, ladies obviously, uh, in bikinis and, and guys wearing uh, very tight swimmers and whatnot, uh, my first thought is the skin cancer risk, that kind of stuff. But you know what? You be you. If you're comfortable going out there and dressing like that, you be you. Who cares? Yeah, it's not affecting... It's not affecting me. It's not affecting anyone else. And I really can't stand people who have to make these stupid rules because they think they've got the moral high ground. Okay, let me just give you a bit of background. This bloke, his name is Ian Grace. And, folks, he's the founder of a youth charity. And he's called for the Gold Coast Mayor, Tom Tate, to put a stop to women wearing revealing swimwear in a letter published by the Gold Coast Bulletin this week. 
the 2022 Gold Coast Volunteer of the Year. By the way, this bloke, Ian Grace, Gold Coast Volunteer of the Year, said the bikini trend made him feel uncomfortable. And he claims that women are sending the wrong message. No. He no, said, no, no. He said these bikini bottoms... So he says women are cheapening themselves and he's worried that women will be ogled and will be treated as a sex object. This is what he's concerned about. Yes, Adam? If he's worried about the women um, he, putting across the wrong idea or the, the wrong image, he's got that image in his head. It's not with everyone else. That's his problem. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like if he thinks it's suspect, he's the suspect one. He says he it believes that women are demeaning themselves. Cheaply. Why is it? I'm just reading. Why is it demeaning? Because they're they're beautiful and they're they're confident and they they want to walk around and get get a healthy glow on their skin. Hang on, a, hang on. Yeah. Just just let me finish. He said in the letter he believes that women were demeaning and cheapening themselves, that they are portraying themselves as sex objects, then decrying it when men see them that way. Hang on, let me finish. He said, quote, bare bums can be seen. I can't believe I'm reading this letter out from the Gold, from the Gold Coast Bulletin. This is, this, this, this is the depths that we've ste- steeped to on the, on the man cake. He said, bare bums can be seen to be every bit as erotic, if not more so, than women's bare breasts. So would it not make sense that they are banned identically? If not banned at the beach, very definitely banned the moment they're off the beach. This certainly should not be allowed in public pools or themed water parks, which are very much more family-orientated. Young kids don't need to see women's bums. End of quote. Reverend Jim Reynolds, a man of, a man of God. I have the feeling that this gentleman needs to clear his browser history before he takes talk anymore. <laughs> yes, thank you, Reverend. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, exactly. I mean, my, exactly. The main comments that I wanted to make, <laughs> Adam had already said it. So, you know, he's covered everything I wanted to say. That's okay. me done. Let's, well, let's ask our listeners. Uh, the, the bare-bottomed G-string bikinis, the Brazilian bikini thing, it's a big fad in Australia at the moment. Do you find it offensive or not? One triple three five three. Yeah, what? You're dying to say something. Go on. Remember how yesterday we were talking about if, if noses were sexual and you had to wear something over the top of it to protect it? <laughs> well, what, does, do you, what do you guys talk about when I'm not here? Well, I'm just saying. Okay. So, no, 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 no. Shush. Let me, let me get a bit theological here because I've, I've got a man of God. I've got a man of God here who excels in the New Testament. His Old Testament's a bit scratchy, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring him up to speed. So when God invented Adam and Eve... And they were walking around the garden. Of, bear with me, Reverend Jim, and correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. So you've got Adam and Eve flouncing around the Garden of Eden with not a care in the world, correct? Correct. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. That's the story as I know it. Okay, yes. And then when the, the snake spoke to Eve and got her to eat the apple, which was forbidden, and she got Adam to have a bite as well, they suddenly became very aware of their bodies and covered up. They were embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But they covered up their nether regions, Right. Mm-hmm. So, so when you cover something up and it's naughty to look at, when you do get a glimpse, it's it's erotic because it's seen as naughty. Are you with me? Yes. So I said, so your nether regions, your reproductive organs are covered up, 
and for some reason we started covering up women's breasts somewhere along the line in history. And I just said to Thomas, imagine if Adam and Eve had decided that the part of their body that they were going to feel embarrassed about was, for example, their nose. And so if you, if you took the patch off their nose, you'd have strip joints with women with bare noses and people going berserk. Look at this. And then I also suggested that um, Pinocchio could have been a porn star. But look, <laughs> does that does that does that mean that does that mean um, once you sneeze, it's all over? That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And then you and then you have a cigarette, or, yeah. or, that, or a vape, or a vape. <laughs> My my first thought was COVID would have been a lot easier if they had to cover the noses normally. Oh, there you are. <laughs> anyway, is the G-string offensive or does this bloke, Ian Grace, should he just turn the other cheek? Opinions are flying. The studio hotline is running hot. Five hours to kill on the Triple M Network with the Night Shift. Adam, one... Two, three. Good morning, gentlemen. Granny, Granny Sue. how are you? Granny oh, Sue. Granny Sue from Yorkies Knob. Nice to have you join us from far north Queensland. And once again, here we are on the man cave and we haven't improved any, have we? <laughs> no, well, the only time that bikini would be offensive is if I wore one. But anyway, would you wear? <laughs> would you, <laughs> Granny Sue? Would you wear one? Oh, good God! Come, come on, Luke. No. What about not, e- not even? What a, about forty years ago? Would you? Oh God, no! Not even to show off my um, um, tramp stamp. I wouldn't That's wear. That's right. She, Granny Sue's got a tattoo <laughs> on the bottom of her back, and she calls it a tramp stamp. Anyway, go yeah. on, go on. Anyway, what I've rung up for after all that, which nearly had me in tears laughing. But anyway, um, <clears throat> you were talking about people being armed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, up until I retired, I had a three five seven uh, lever-action revolver with me all the time because I was doing a lot of travelling on my own and I always had a gun with me. And yes, it was licensed and when I retired, I handed it in. But hang on, but where where were you where were you travelling? You're not going from from um, you know from from suburb to suburb. No, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. I was travelling like from Cairns to um, Broome. But it could and- be argued, Adam McDonald, that travelling suburb to suburb in Sydney and Brisbane is way more dangerous than going out in the middle of nowhere in outback Australia. You've got these eshes, you've got youth crime, you've got gangs. Maybe you do need weapons when you live in suburb. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) Granny Sue, I've got my hand up here waving at Luke going, let me speak, let me speak. You know what? I... For me, what you were doing, travelling with that firearm, I think is is perfectly fine because those... For me, do you know what the main reason to have a firearm would be for? Yeah, protection. No. If you hit an animal or something like that, it's oh, the yeah, best well, way I to put to... it. Yeah. yeah, well, I did that too, but... Um... Exactly. You know, there, there are times in the outback where you do need to have that kind of protection and... Uh, you know, I do get it, 
uh, but I wouldn't want to see you carrying it in the streets of Sydney. <laughs> well, well that, that's, that's why I don't have it anymore. But one of my jobs was working for a doctor of agriculture doing drought, drought, drought strategy feeding of wieners. And I had 10,000 wieners on different feeds in 10 different paddocks. And the company that I was working for, um, they didn't castrate their little bull calves bad, uh, well enough and they were dying or going down with blood poisoning because they weren't, the blood wasn't seeping out and I had to destroy them. So that was one of the reasons I got the gun in the first place. And see, that's perfectly valid and, you know, that you're carrying it as a tool. You're yes. not actually intending to carry it as a weapon. I think no, what, no, no. What, no. What, what we're getting at is people who are getting, who are wanting tasers or pepper spray or batons as a weapon, whereas oh, yeah, okay. you had the, the the primary function of that firearm was to dispatch a, a suffering animal. That's exactly right. Now yeah. I now I only have the butt end of a pool cue. I I think after my last uh, attempt at playing pool, I'm not allowed near the pool table again. (laughs) No, well, I I don't. The pool, the the little skinny end broke, so now I have the the big end beside my bed for a weapon. Have you ever gotten to a blue in a bar over a pool table, Granny Sue? I bet you have. Uh, Not um, over a pool cue, but I over a pool table. But I've been in a few few blues in bars. Yes. What for? Over, over men? Uh, no, just stupid stuff. Blokes being absolutely stupid. And, um, well, at one stage, I had, um, I was working at the Bullia pub. Where? Bullia, which is sort of southwest of Mount Isa. Yeah. Uh, another bush pub where there's only, thing, only a pub in the town. There's nothing else. The church. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a church. I no, don't no, know. no. We're saying that the pub in a lot of country towns is the church. Reverend Jim was saying that the pub in a lot of small towns is more important than the church. Anyway, go on. Yeah, well, this bloke got up on the pool pool table, yeah. took all his clothes off, yeah. um, threw his jocks at me behind the bar, yeah. <laughs> and then proceeded to play um, his, an air guitar with his old fella. Well, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't handle that anymore, so I had to... <laughs> to get him outside, <laughs> and he protested mainly, and I wasn't putting up with that. Well, now, see, I've got a picture. Do you remember the name of the song? <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> Granny's got a gun. <laughs> that was the last thing I thought of, but just. <laughs> Oh dear, sorry. <laughs> We've all got different images in our head right now. <laughs> I can't imagine. Well, trust me, the image that I saw was not much better than your image. It's your imagination. <laughs> Did he finish uh, his game of pool? Oh no. God, no, he wasn't playing pool. Oh. He was just standing up. All he had on was his boots <laughs> and his hat, nothing else. <laughs> It's not pretty. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Luke, I can I can I offer a suggestion? Can we have Granny Sue in for a man cave? Oh, she's already there, mate. I, I think if she was here for a full night, we wouldn't get much talking done, it'd be too much laughing. Oh, God.
God. Yeah, well, I'm a bit far away to just drop in, but yeah, yeah I'd love to be there. Because <laughs> I just lay here in bed and I'm just, the tears are streaming down my face laughing. <laughs> so, yeah. Good on you, Granny. Granny Sue, we love you. Thank you so much. That's all right. You have a good night and I will be listening for a little bit longer. <laughs> Take it easy, Granny. See you, Granny. Okay, bye. She'd have a million and one of those stories, She's would she? Ja- oh, she she is actually writing a book. Yeah. She is actually writing. But <laughs> Don't make the smoker laugh. I'm trying not to cough. <laughs> the Night Shift, Triple M. Back in a sec. Can you beat that, anyone? Yes. The best bar fight you've ever been in. The best bar blue. What was it over and how did it finish? Give us a call. Let's chuck it in there. This is Dragon for you now on Triple F. These are the dreams of the great late Mark Hunter here on the night shift, the man cave here on uh, Triple M, Friday, February 9, 13353. Adam McDonald, the vice captain's with me. The Reverend Jim Reynolds, who has been a great friend of this program, a great friend of mine for t- 10 years. Uh, I'd say 12. 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, came t- uh, over to the Triple M network when I changed stations all those years ago. I was on another network when the Reverend made him- himself known to me. He was working with homeless people in Melbourne, and uh, you and I have been firm friends ever since. Yep. Um, so if you've uh, got a question, give us a call. Adam McDonald, expert on memorabilia. He's the general manager of All Bids Auctions, the biggest online auction house in the Southern Hemisphere, probably the world, Adam. Probably the world. Could be. Could be. There's lots of arms. So uh, you got a question for Adam. Please feel free to jump on board. The quickie sounds like this. And the clue is it's an Australian band. Rob, what's the quickie? Rob. Yeah, Cold Chisel, Cold Chisel standing on the outside. No, it's not. Great song, though. I love Great that song. Great song. Daniel, hello. How you going, Luke? What's the quickie? Uh, is it Hunters and Collectors Holy Grail? No, very, very good guess. And last quickie caller for this hour. Hopefully he's got it. Peter. No, nah, I haven't got it. <laughs> well, what do you what do you reckon? Have, it a, is? Shot. I, I, Have a shot. I thought no, I thought it was standing on the outside as well. Ah, I'm uh, sorry, Peter. Yeah. But uh, I was just going to say, I, I was going to. I know you're talking about some other stuff there, and I love the G strings. <laughs> Should they be banned? Do you find them offensive? No, I love them. Would you be happy for your kids to to watch someone walking around in a g-string bikini? Oh, I don't think it. I don't think it matters. You you don't see anything. You know, there's nothing bad about it. Oh, and I wanted to. Um, are you there? Yeah, I'm just there. Yeah, we're still yeah. Right. I wanted to ask um, Tom. I've got a. Um, it's it's like a plaque of the you, Queen's. You mean Adam? I think you mean Adam. Yeah. You can ask Tom and he'd have no idea. You can ask Tommy. He might know. If, if it's about trains, if it's about trains, Thomas is your man. But no, I think you want to talk to Adam, the expert on memorabilia, right? Yeah, because I've got a, um, it's a plaque and it's uh, of the Queen's Silver Jubilee 1977. Mm. And um, like it was like a wall plaque. You hang it on the wall. I'm just wondering uh, what it's worth and if anyone don't, would like to... Those sort of things aren't worth a great deal because they would have made millions of them. 
Um, I mean, I'm more than happy to have a look at it. You can send me a photo of it to my Instagram. What's it honestly worth? And I can sort of value it. But I find any of those sort of jubilee um, paraphernalia, there's a lot of them made, unless it's like a, a silver coin or something like that. But that sort of wall plaque is more tourist trade than anything else. Yeah, this is about the size of a. I don't know what's a small plate, not a not a not a dinner plate. A bread and butter plate, we used to call them. Bread and yeah. butter plate, or a saucer, a cup yeah. and saucer, yeah. saucer, yeah. And it's like yeah, a, I mean, a, a, it's silver in silver in black. It looks like it's metallic, but it's actually uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, plaster of Paris, I'd say. Yeah, um, right. But I've I've had lots of garage sales, and nobody ever wants to buy it. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good indication what it's worth there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Pete. Uh, uh, Good might on you, Pete. be to the right person. Okay. Sure. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Pete. Okay. Good. Uh, bye. Uh, now, now, just while Pete's there, and this is a really interesting point I just thought of, so I'm, I'm giving myself a wrap. Mm-hmm. With the death of the cash society, mm. what does that mean for garage sales? I've got well, a- so that's it, yeah. that Garage sales, flea markets, swap meets... It's going to end them. But what does that they, mean? If people don't carry cash anymore, you're, going, you're not going to tell me someone holding a garage sale is going to have an FPOS machine. Yes, I can. Yeah, they... they a really? Lot of, yes. Yeah, tap and goes quite easy yes. to get your hands is on these it? days. Yep. Bunnings, for a, Bunnings. For a one-off garage sale? For, for a one-off garage... So what you can do, there's a product called Square, which you can get from Officeworks for a couple of bucks. Yeah. Or you can set up your phone, and yep. my phone's set up with it, with uh, NFC, which is the tap and go with your phone. Yeah. You could, I could type in a number and charge it on your credit card. And it what, works and just like an op. Uh, uh, what fee do you pay? Uh, I think it's. I bet it's not free. No, it's. No. A, I think it's about 1% or something like that. I went to a trash and treasure market uh, recently and they had one of these and you just tap and go and everyone seems to carry them now. Wow. Because yeah, I, I, I would have thought with, with the end of cash. That would be the death knell for garage sales. Nah, you just have to work around it. You can always adapt, um, I yeah. reckon. Which is crazy because, I, I don't know, there's something romantic about having cash and haggling over, I've only got a, you know, the, the, the item they're asking for 80, oh, I've only got a 50, will you take it? You know, that just takes, that eliminates all that sort of haggling. The end of cash, Bob mm. Catter found out the hard way in Canberra Poor this Bob. week, couldn't pay for his fish in the parliamentary dining well, room. Well, I went, I went to... Um, I had to get my phone fixed today, get a new screen on it, and I said to the fella, he said, oh, it's, it's 300 bucks. And I said, what about cash? Should we do it for cheaper? He goes, yeah, 300 bucks. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he didn't give me no discount for cash. It, but- may, it makes me think, where is the world going? Because I, with new technology, sometimes the old technology... Works better. I mean, just just hear me out. So you know, in twenty thirty years time, our grandchildren will um, will go. Oh, I can't pay for my meal, or I can't pay for my groceries because my phone's flat. I can't. Yeah. T- I can't tap and go. Um, and I, I, and and someone will come up. Someone someone will say, "I've got an idea. Why don't we invent this stuff?" We could have round metal objects engraved with a number and then paper with a bigger number and we could pay for our goods with that. And someone will say, what a great idea. 
Yeah, it'll come around again, you reckon? What a great idea! What's that saying? What was old? What was once old is now new again? Everything old is new again. There you go. And it was a song by Peter Allen. I should find it. Oh, well, there you go. Well, it's funny when you were talking about the cash because... Uh, uh, I went to a couple of fish and chip shops on my travels because I've been around the state over the last week going to different places. And quite a few fish and chip shops have got a sign up saying cash only, which I was really surprised to see. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah. So, uh, and even and uh, on the other side of the, the coin, uh, southeast Melbourne, uh, a couple of the McDonald's there are now going to no cash card only from midnight till uh, 6 a.m. because of... Uh, staff assaults and robberies yeah I can under- I can understand that um, I mean the, 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 the bee I have in my bonnet about um, cashless society is is it's just for me it just feels like big brother can watch you everywhere you go like the government can see well this is what you're spending your money on and you know and you get all these algorithms with with online selling platforms and social media and it's all just I don't know. You know, they they see. Well, you Adam spent two hundred bucks at um, Dan Murphy's over the last two weeks. So all of a sudden, on my social media, I'm getting Dan Murphy ads. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just another way to to trace and track and trace. I don't like it. One triple three five three is the telephone number if you would like to be part of it. It's the man cave here on Triple M. We'll order now. What the order? How good is this? For old Andrew Very, our music director's having conniptions. Here we go. When everything old is new again. Okay. I had to get that out of my system. <laughs> One triple three five three is the telephone number. Hey, if you're like me, it is triple M. If you're like me and can't stand the pesky summer invaders, and we're talking about flies and mozzies. And if you're concerned about mozzies, well, guess what? You should be, because they spread disease, they can make you sick, and with all the water that's hanging around because of all the rain we've had, especially up and down the east coast of Australia, we've got a bad mozzie season. And this is something that fixes it. It's called the Executioner XXL from Pestrol. It's the biggest in the range. It is the big daddy of fly and mozzie zappers, and it's a game changer. And it doesn't just repel them, it annihilates them fast. It works over a 300-metre square coverage. And here's the kicker. If you order the execution to XXL now for only $149.90, my mate Andrew, who runs Pestrol, he's throwing in the tennis racket zapper. Have you seen these, Adam? You you explained it to me last week. It's like a badminton Bit, bit bigger than a badminton racket, and it runs off a battery, and the the strings are electrified, and so you see the mozzies and the fires, you get and you play right, 
and the, it's it's fantastic. It's great fun for the whole family. Anyway, it's free, but only for the first ten. Don't laugh. It's true. What? I've just got this image of you in the backyard. It's fantastic. Conducting. We do it in our G-strings. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to go there. I know. It's the tennis racket Zapper, and it's free, but there's only 10. And you've got to use the code word BONER. So get in now, pestrol.com.au, and get this Executioner XXL, the biggest in the range. It gets rid of mozzies and flies. It is a total game changer. Pestrol. P-E-S-T-R-O-L, pestrol.com.au. Back in a sec. If you want to be part of it, give us a call, um, but I'll let you know when you can because we have no lines available. Every line is taken up, so I will get to as many calls as we can as quickly as we can. Michael, Michael, welcome to the Man Cave. What did you want to say? Michael, you've been waiting there. Please tell me you're still there. Yeah, hi, how you going? Oh, Christ. Good, Michael. Michael. What's What's going on? I'm just slightly mesmerised. I'm, I'm up um, middle of Victoria and um, the Milky Way is absolutely stunning where I am and I've just seen a couple of shooting stars and it's all good. Lovely. Now, I, I worked in um, voluntary in prison ministry for 20 years and um, I've met a lot of guys at the absolute bottom of their life and... Um, uh, what you were talking about with the juvenile problem uh, about preventing it. Um, unfortunately, I see a lot of the technology is taking away jobs. Um, a, a lot of these younger people don't have anything meaningful that they can apply their lives to. Okay, Michael, I'm going to counter that with you know, over the years, society has changed. You know, uh, I grew up in, in a town called Wollongong where everyone went to the steelworks, but now that's changed and people have had to adapt. Now, the question I would ask is, is prison about punishment or rehabilitation? Should there be courses that are more open to using a place like Wollongong, hospitality like uh, commercial cookery, uh, those kind of jobs are very high in demand. Helping offenders that are only going to be in there for a couple of months get an RSA, RCG, showing them how to make drinks, that kind of stuff, rather than the traditional forms of trades that they would normally teach in a prison. Yeah, oh, yeah but um, meaningful things, you know, the, the creative stuff that, um, you know, a, a painting, uh, a, a lot of stuff is... It's not being encouraged for a, a lot of younger people. When you're saying painting, well, as in uh, developing their art, art. skills? Yeah. Uh, something that, that they can apply their lives to and brings meaning rather than just going out looking for a bit of fun and a bit of excitement. And Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean... That- Yep. What I think the the problem the problem is we need to also have them being able to make money and get a job because that's right. You've yeah. got to be able to work. You've got to live. Exactly. So getting all these skills, getting all these skills while incarcerated, I think is a great idea. So you don't come out and get bored, and you need cash, so you go rob the local Seven Eleven. Uh, Michael, you worked in a prison ministry. You're a, you're a preacher, are you? 
No, I'm just a volunteer. Okay, very quickly, Michael. This was in juvenile detention, was it? No, it was in um, seniors. Um, I have had expo or I have had talks with people that have worked in the juvenile system, and um, they they take um, homemade cookies into to the juvenile detention centre at Carryong in New South Wales. Yeah. And there's kids there that uh, they didn't know what a homemade cookie looked like. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to get out of Michael, and I, I don't know if I will. Does juvenile detention, does incarceration offer rehabilitation? Well, it should. Does it, though? Uh, or do you go in as a criminal and you come out a really good criminal? Well, really, it depends on the individuals on both sides. I mean, some... Some officers um, seem to think that it should be a punishment. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, I'll, I'll let you go, Michael. Thanks for your call. Look, what I'm asking is this. First of all, prison, incarceration is supposed to be three things. One, a deterrent for committing a crime in the first place. I commit a crime, I could go to jail. The deterrent. Two, a punishment. You've committed a crime, you've had your liberty taken away, and it's a punishment. But three, rehabilitation. And I want to know if number three is actually there. Look, that's where I'm going. I think that if we go back to the conversation you and I had on Monday, where you were talking about the two Mormons that uh, they transferred into a, a NAB bank out western New South Lithgow. Wales. And, and, Lithgow. And, and the standard of basketball in Lithgow went through the roof. Because they had the passion and they wanted to see it grow. Maybe that's the kind of staff that need to be recruited in there who have a passion yeah. to help these kids and we don't have what is potentially sounding like Jobsworths. Stuart's online from Perth. G'day, Stuart. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to the Man Cave. What's going on? Uh, it's good to be there, Luke and the guys. Um, I was just uh, wanted to make a comment about the um, uh, uh, cashless uh, garage sales. Cashless garage yes. sales. Apparently you can get an FPOS machine and I, I, I thought for sure that in 10 years' time garage sales will be a thing of the past because no one will arrive with any cash. But I'm told now, and the Reverend Jim has shown me on his phone, he's got an FPOS app thing. So anyway, there you are. Yeah, my wife and I uh, go to a lot of garage sales, and if if we don't have the the cash, uh, we um, use what they call pay ID. Each bank has like a that where you can transfer money within about 30 seconds to the person's either bank account. Yeah. Yeah, my missus does all our banking online and she has it on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yep. My, the girl that cuts my hair, Tanya, yep. she comes every every six weeks, she comes around, and I was... <laughs> well, yeah, you, don't you love Adam, okay? <laughs> At least I got hair. Well, can I just can I but just anyway, I'm you, just saying I was five I was ten dollars I was ten dollars short and, and and I said Nikki I, I thought you left me money out and Tanya's Tanya's got to go forty bucks she charges and uh, uh, anyway and Nikki said what's her bank account details bang there it was it was done anyway go go on Mister yeah that's yeah that's 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 what I do like they can either transfer if they've got their pay ID set up it can be either by phone or email address. You just type in that when you're in the banking app and it's uh, yeah, you're there right. in- instantly. You're right. Yeah, go on, Adam, smart ass. What were you going to say? I was just 
fascinated that you have a hairdresser called Tanya that comes to your house to cut your hair. Well, she's a friend of my son's. That's how I met her. That's okay. No, well, let whatever, me just tell no, Whatever, as they say, whatever blows your hair back. Spe- well, at least I've got something to blow back. I mean, look at you. <laughs> whatever. Where, where, there used to be, where there used to be waves, it's just all beach now. Hey, that's correct. I've got nothing. Call, call you Fraser Anyway, so Jacob knew, and, and during COVID, the Svetlana, who used to cut my hair up the road, uh, <laughs> she shut down. And then when she was open, there's five people waiting for you. I can only do it on a Saturday, and that's two hours wait. And Jacob said, oh, Tanya's a friend of mine. She does house calls, and, that, and she's been fantastic. Anyway, go on. Go on, go on Stuart. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, yeah, no, it's a very good point, yeah. I think technology has kept up so that even the average punter now can have an FPOS machine, Adam. Tell me this, does it, Rev, does it does it take away from donations where people don't have cash, where, you know, you throw your change in the bucket or... Yes. Or chuck, chuck a fiver in the bucket? Does it does it affect the donation? Or the what, about, what about tipping a busker? Okay, so from... Yeah, exactly. From my point of view, I don't actually take donations with outreach ministries. It's uh, a big rule that we have. Uh, but I do know from other charities that do your Bunnings and those kind of things, a lot more people are f- uh, more willing to uh, buy things off us when, uh, when they see that we've got the white square there. So, you know, with the Lions Club, for example, if we put the square out, we sell a lot more sausages than we would if we didn't have it. So it's become a very important tool for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the all all the all the sausages that Bunnos have the the tap and go system. Do now. they now? Yes. Bunnings, yeah. the sausages, they have to yeah. to survive. You've got to have a tap and go. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, Bob Catter, but uh, there you are. Well, I'll give you one quick uh, one quick one. I saw when I came out of town hall just before, there was a homeless fellow who was sitting there with his bucket out, but he also had a square out as well. Wow. The tap and go square. Yep. Wow. I'm sorry. I would not be tapping. I would just be going. One triple three five three. It's Friday. It's the man cave on Triple M. A lot of people thought that the quickie was that standing on the outside from East nineteen eighty. Uh, track one, side two, Adam. Just for your information. Thank you. I'm gonna sleep better tonight. One triple three five three is is the telephone number. Um, Kathy's got something for you, Adam McDonald. Kathy, how are you? Hi. How you going? Um, Good love. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, um, when I was a kid, I'm 54 years old, mm-hmm. and when I was a kid, I had a game, and it was called, um, oh, what do you call it, oh, the Pillow Fight. Do you um, know that game? Yes, I do know of it, yeah. Yeah, and it had like a big wow on the front of it. Yep, so... Um, Pillow Fight was it was originally an American game, but um, I think John Sands brought it out in Australia. Um, it would have been in the sixties, I think. And the they made a the Pillow Fight was uh, directed at the the girl mark, the young girls market, and then they had another game exactly the same called uh, Pow that was um, directed at the boys. So basically, you had to take out your other players, the, your opponents' players, by catapulting a pillow over the wall. Is That's that the right. One? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's sort of like um, 
battleships for little girls. Yeah, that's and, right. So these... Go ahead. Yeah, and... Um, and the pillows like, had I, to land on the bed, didn't they? That's right. No, no that's you, had, you had a bed at the end and you oh, had... Oh, the, 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 the bed was the, the, the catapult, that's right. Yeah, and you had to hit one of the girls that was on the other side and knock them over yeah. with the pillow. And you had a so grandmother these... that was standing there. The, these games have made a real resurgence. I call them, um, they're called like physical board games where there's big moving parts and, you know, things that fly like games like, like you mentioned, Battleship. There was the old game uh, Mousetrap when, oh, remember, they had the lobster yeah. course and the ball would go round. And these are, these are sort of games have made a real resurgence. And, like, you can, Thomas can probably attest to this because of more of his generation, they're making a comeback, where you can go to, like, a Sunday night at the local pub and they'll have board game night. And they have all these games out, like Guess Who, and and games like this. So they made a real resurgence. If for for to find one of those uh, pillow fights in good order, um, you'd probably cost, you know, you'd probably you, you're probably looking at a couple of hundred bucks because it was um, mainly made out of cardboard. Um, so you know, as games do, they deteriorate and get ruined and stuff. But um, I'll tell you a little story about uh, Guess Who. When Wonder Boy was growing up, was one of our favourite games. And he would say, without every single time, are you David? And if you want to Google David from Guess Who, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And he thought it was the funniest thing that he'd ever come up with. But well, every single it. time, Google David from Guess Who and it'll come up with David's picture. And so when it was his turn, that would be his guess straight away. Are you David? What? I don't... Go- look... Google David from Guess Who and it'll come up with a picture of David from Guess Who and every time he'd play the game he'd say Dad are you David and that would be his first guess and every time he'd get a clip around the ear and say let's now play sensible son no I am not David oh there you are <laughs> it's you see what I'm saying oh, see how funny that, see how funny he is that is very see? funny Okay, okay. I've just Googled it. It's Adam McDonald. It's a bloke with a bald head and a ginger beard. Yes. And it is, oh, that's very funny. Now I get it. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that pillow that pillow fight game, um, yeah, a great piece of um, board game well, history. Got, that. A good... I've got one at the moment because I've actually bought it for my granddaughter, but she she doesn't seem to listen. So I'd, it's been up on top of my cupboard the whole time. And well, I got it for twenty dollars offline. Well, I think and, you've bought very well there. I think it'd be worth a couple of hundred every day of the week. And it's the board is in all the pieces of the board is in excellent condition. It's only on the corner of the of the actual box that is has been ruined. I yeah, right. like, you know, opening the box all the time when you when Well you're, you, Kathy, you've done very, very well. That's what's fantastic, it, Kathy. What's it worth, Adam? A couple of hundred, I reckon. Two hundred. Two hundred bucks. Yep. Kathy, well done, um, and good luck with it. One triple three five three. Adam McDonald, the vice captain of the Man Cave, is with us. He is the general manager of All Bids Auctions, um, and he's based in Canberra. The Reverend Jim Reynolds is also with us. Juvenile detention centres. Just let me play this. This is. I spoke to Pauline Hanson, Senator Pauline Hanson, during the week, and uh, this is what she had to say. Have a listen. Um, get them out of the detention centres. They clearly don't work. As I said, these detention centres, they have computer games, they have, you know, pinball machines, or they have, you know, everything that's 
that, that they don't have at home. So therefore they tell their mates, the mates commit a crime, so anyway they're in detention centres. I like to see these programs, there's one called up around Meribah, it's called Hard Yakka, and they actually have to go and live there on the premises. It's like a military drill for them, there are, there are rules, there are um, orders. And I went and saw the graduation of these kids after two weeks and their parents are so proud of them. These kids had changed. They knew about respect then and they were taught that. And uh, there's another one up North Queensland. It was to be back to country and uh, take them out, out in the country where they sleep in a swag. They have to do their hard work. They're not given the luxuries of life. So these kids, I'd like to deal with it in these ways. And uh, these kids have to be taught about um, respect and responsibility and take res you know, responsibility for their own action. All right, that's Pauline Hanson on the night shift when I spoke to her on Monday morning. Reverend Jimmy, rolling your eyes. What's wrong? <laughs> it's, not. it's not a one-size-fits-all exactly. solution. And, okay, if you've got a fit young person who is fine with their mental health, yes, it may work, but my mind is going through the different mental health conditions that kids have. Uh, you know, autism is becoming a lot more common. It's just not going to, it doesn't fit everybody. And I really get angry when people start saying, give them hard work and, and you know, take them away from their electronics. There, there is other ways of doing it. And we have to look at this holistically and, that's what's not happening at the moment. See, I think you're going against the flow at the moment because there's a lot of anger out there because of the stabbing last Saturday. And a lot of Australians are thinking, we've gone that too far your way, Reverend Jim. You're a bleeding heart. You're a softy. And what, what, what these kids need is hard discipline and parents need their rights back. No, I'm not being a softy at all. I'm actually looking at finding a proper solution. I've never in my life believed that forcing somebody into in the way it's being portrayed into some sort of slave labour, hard labour, uh, and, you know, yelling and screaming at them is a good idea. One triple three Exactly. One exactly. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back. Plenty of the Oh, the quickie, Adam. Yes. We, we need got it. there yet. Uh, okay. It, it's a 1980 song. It's an Australian band. Adam, I'm going to leave this with you. I want you to come up with the next clue after, oh, after, after the break, okay? Okay. Around Australia on the Triple M Network, this is The Night Shift with Luke Boner. The Night Shift. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. It's the amazing all-organic fertiliser. We discovered it here on The Night Shift about four years ago. Everyone's raving about it. Did you know that Joe is now exporting from Australia Swift Grow to Sri Lanka, to the United Arab Emirates, to Saudi Arabia, to America? It's just amazing. These governments want Swift Grow because... It's better for the soil, it's better for the environment, and the results are better. Wait till you put it in your garden, your pot plants, your hanging plants, indoor, outdoor, your lawns, your veggie patches. And a five-litre bottle of this amazing product is just 120 bucks, and it'll go a long, long way. It includes free delivery anywhere in Australia. 
It is amazing. Swift Grow. Brendan Ramey, he loves it. The way I explain it to anyone is because obviously it's not a fertiliser as such. It's like steroids for plants. Hmm. But a few things that happen which I, I still can't get my head around, and one of them is I've got roses, and not only does it make healthy roses, they smell nice, but the way that it's helped combat um, black spot. Yeah. And then apart from that, whether it be the grass, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown corn, I've got fruit trees. He's got it all. That is Brendan, who loves Swift Grow, and you will too. Swiftgrow.com.au. Montana is Joe's daughter who works the phones and she does all the ordering. She'll look after you. Tell her that you heard it on the night shift with Luke Boner. If it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow. Here is the quickie again. And, and Adam McDonald, the vice captain of the night shift, has another clue after this. Okay, vice captain, the quickie, it sounds like this. We're down to the pointy end of the man cave. Adam McDonald, the third yep. and final clue is what? This is a title track. It's a 1980s. I think, that should, it's an I think that should blow it up. It is a title track. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Have a crack. Oh, tune. Do you like this, do you? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, absolutely. Don't you reckon it's a bit weird? No, nah, of course it's weird, but it's a great tune. I don't. Uh, I'm playing it. I'm not going to interrupt it any more than I already have. The Violet Femmes, <laughs> Blister in the Sun, Triple M. How good was that? No, I don't get yeah. it. I love great. it. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. It's a great sing-along song. It is. Everyone joins along with it as well. Mm -hmm. And everyone does the, the tap-tap. The, the violent themes, blister in the sun. Do you think it's a good sing-along song for people who can't sing? That's it. Yeah, That's because it's a rhythm. That's what, it's, it's, it's a sing-along. Well, I, I, I think it's because that guy can't sing either. Like, let's let's but, be honest. But neither can Bob Dylan. True. Oh, terrible. Bob Dylan can't sing, but he's not famous for his voice. Well, he is famous for his voice. He has yeah. a unique... But, but he's famous for his songs, but Bob Dylan can't sing. Who are the worst singers that are the most popular artists of all time? Mick Jagger can't sing. Do you reckon? Do you reckon he's a good singer? No, I don't either. I don't think he can, but his songs are good. It's the same with um, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. When they were when they were um, trying vocalists, they said. I saw an interview with Flea years ago that said we found heaps better vocalists, but he fit the mould perfectly. Yeah, I, 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 I'm hip to that vibe. <laughs> you've got to fit in. It's it, it is a. There are plenty of good vocalists, but you've got to suit the band, haven't you? Yeah. Who's your favourite? Who's your, who do you reckon your, your top 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 vocalist? Your favourite. Well, that's a, I can't answer that. I mean, if you want to look at a pure voice... Okay, I've got a question for you, for everyone here. Okay? Go. Okay. The, TV, the talent show The Voice. Yeah. Right, just bear with me. So the judges have their backs to the stage, apparently not knowing what they look like, what their vibe is, what signals they're giving out. That it is supposed to be purely judged on voice as to whether or not they turn their chairs. Correct? Am I right? Correct. Is that Correct. how it works? It is. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this then. 
and we'll put it out to our listeners, one triple three five three. What great Australian vocalist that we now know and love would not turn a chair? And I'm, I'm putting it, John Farnham would turn a chair. Yes, es- 100%. Especially if he did his vocal gymnastics where he showed off his range, right? He would turn a chair. Would Jimmy Barnes turn a chair if he was a nobody? Okay, they can't see him. Would Jimmy Barnes turn a chair? Adam McDonald, yes or no? These days he would. When he first started, no. I think he's harnessed what he's got now. Um, yes, he would. Reverend Jim, yes or no? I'm going with no. The, Jimmy Barnes, Ooh. as a nobody, mm-hmm. would not turn a chair on The Voice. Thomas? No. Oh. I don't reckon he would. I reckon it's kind of in the title and it's in the name and the reputation as well. Okay. One triple three five three. Who would not... Would Joe Cocker turn a chair? Yeah. Adam? Yeah, yeah, I reckon, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they look for unique unique voices. So I think um, I think they would. Would Ian, yeah, I think would, would Ian Moss turn a chair? Yes. If he sang the right oh, song. If he sang Georgia. If he sang, yeah, if, if he sang the right song. If he sang Georgia. You know who I reckon wouldn't? <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to say it, but I reckon they wouldn't. Yeah. Peter Garrett. Would Peter Garrett turn a chair? No. No, I don't reckon he would either. No. One triple three five three. I'll tell you the biggest travesty I ever saw on The Voice was years ago. And I don't know why this artist did it, but she did it. Let me just tell you this. James Morrison, the multi-instrumentalist, well known for playing trumpet, um, is a musical genius. A genius. And I use the word really carefully. He took Emma Pask under his wing and she was his vocalist for many, many years. Emma Pask is without a doubt Australia's premier best female jazz singer. Blows them away. Up there with Kerry Bedell. I don't know why, but she went on The Voice. And Delta didn't rate her. And you want to know Delta's reason? Oh, I'm not really into jazz. And that, to me, was the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard because it's not about to be... It's not meant to be about the style. It's called the what? What's the show called? The Voice. And yeah. Emma Pask has... Google anyone. Go onto YouTube and listen to Emma Pask. P-A-S-K. And Delta didn't rate her because she didn't like jazz. That's when the show lost me. That's when the show lost me. Jazz is a very hard genre to get your head around. That's the voice. Wait till you hear her voice, Adam. Go to YouTube when you get home. And YouTube, Emma Pask, probably what will come up is Emma Pask with the um, Ed Wilson Big Band. And wait till you hear what she sings. Unbelievable. Alan, hello. Good morning, lads. How are we? I'm good. What's, go- what's going on, Alan? That's, uh, just, you know, trying to earn a living driving trucks down in Melbourne. What's up, mate? Uh, just wondering if I would go at the quickie, please. Okay. Do you want another listen or are you confident? Uh, I'm pretty confident. All right, go. All right, we'll go uh, cold chisel standing on the outside. No, well, that's a shame. It's a shame because someone else has said that. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's all right. And I just played it half an hour ago. Never mind. Okay. Good on you, bud. Good on you. Keep driving. Have a great day and drive safely, mate. And thanks for doing what you do. Without truckies, our shelves are empty. Uh, the, con- the country stops. Dave, hello. G'day. How are you going, gentlemen? Good, Dave. What Good, do you mate. got? I'm about to solve your problem. Good. The radiator's coming home. Oh, 
Come on, it's got to be. It's all right. I'll be coming home to see you tonight. tonight. It's all right. Don't worry. It's okay. I'll be be coming coming home home to see you today. today. Don't worry. It's all right. (laughs) Well, it's not all right. (laughs) Sorry, mate. Sorry, guys. What a great song. Uh, Darby's online. G'day, Darby. Yeah, how you going? Good. Um, my two cents in. I reckon. I reckon Dale Braithwaite would turn a chair on the voice. He would or I wouldn't? Wouldn't. No, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. No. Are chance. you serious? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you, dead. Darby. I don't reckon I'm, he would either. I, I reckon he would. Jimmy, I, I disagree. With Jimmy Barnes would turn a chair any day. <laughs> yeah. Even with yeah. the horses, Daryl yeah. wouldn't turn it. Nah. Nah, no way. What about when it was? What about when he was singing with Sherbert? How's that? Would how's yeah, would how's that would would how's that have turned the chair? Oh, oh I don't nah. know. Just not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Right, what do you got? What do you got for us? That was it. That's it. That, that's, that's it. it. That, that's all. That's all. That's all. No, I thought you were going to have a shot of the quiggy. Oh no! Nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, good right. Righto, Dubs. Thanks for the call. Cheers, bud. Yeah, thanks for your call, buddy. You have a good day. Yeah, you too. Daryl Braithwaite wouldn't turn a chair? No. Really? I I think he would. Depends what he's saying. He's yeah. got an amazing range as well. Yeah. He's got an amazing range. Uh, Jim is online. G'day, Jim. Yeah, g'day, fellas. How are we? We're great, mate. Happy uh, Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I just wanted to have a go at the quickie if I could. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Oil, King of the Mountain. Nah. No. See, that's, that, that is a pure example why Peter would not make it. You know, if Peter Garrett was on The Voice... Walking through the high-dry grass. Nah. Yeah, so his voice... Because it's called The Voice. Mm. And, and Peter Garrett would not turn a chair because I can't see him dancing and carrying on. No, see that was the, that was the whole um, the whole premise behind Peter. He's he's because he's a big he's a big dude too, isn't he? His presence he's a big, on stage, he's a big tall dude. Yeah, his presence on stage is unbelievable. Yeah, so he he is the whole package. He's the, he would not turn a chair. Interesting. No. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, Craig's online. G'day, Craig. Welcome to the man cave. What do you got? Hey, legends. How are you? We're great. Good mate. Excellent. Adam, love your show on uh, on TV. I was a cracker, mate. It was a cool <laughs> good. <laughs> I love your hat. Where'd you get your hat from, mate? Come on. Well, what? My hat. Your hat. Your hat. You always used to wear that little like little hat that my dad used to wear. But anyway, all good. No, I'm the other guy. <laughs> I'm the other guy. Hello. Yeah. You're the big guy. I know you are. You wore a hat. Yeah. You wore a hat sometimes, mate. Was I it? wore a cap. Yeah, I wore a cap. You and wore- he wore those golfer. Bloody. Yeah, that's it with the little. Yeah, that's it. The that, that's yeah, Lucas. That was, that's the that other was guy. me. That was me, mate. Okay, you're better. Uh, Thank you. Bikinis, <laughs> bikinis on the bikinis. Are bikini, g-string bikinis offensive? There is a protest at the Gold Coast at six o'clock this morning, and um, in response to a local Gold Coast man, Ian Grace, who wrote to the paper, who believes that women are demeaning themselves, um, they, they are making themselves sex objects, and it's not suitable for a family beach. He wants 
the G-string bikini banned, and so therefore there's a protest today. Your thoughts? Back in the uh, early 30s, 40s, it was all knee length, ankle length, and then they moved with the times, and it got shorter and shorter. But just moving with the times. He's just got to get his head around it. Have we gone yeah, too right. far? No. Nah, no way. That is what it is. If you've got the body for it, why not? Why not use it? Okay, what about people who don't? Should they be fined? No. <laughs> I mean, there are there are plenty of blokes who wear budgie smugglers who should not. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Is that that's just as offensive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. In so fact, why doesn't he pick on him? In fact, I on, think on those guys, there are some exactly. There are some men who wear budgie smugglers on our beaches who should be fined. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Thanks for your call. No okay. Very mate. See you, mate. Bye bye. <laughs> I'm just wondering who'd be judging whether they should be fined or not. Delta Good. Yeah, exactly right. Who's, who's the judge? Who's the judge? Well, they do say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm. I, again, I just think if you're feeling confident, go for it. It's not something I need to look at. Bobby, hello. G'day, mate. How are you? Talk to us, Bobby. You're in the man cave. Yeah, it's a bit controversial, I suppose, but I love him to death, but Slim Dusty. Would he Would he turn a chair? Oh, 100%. He would for me. Would he for everyone else? Would Slim Dusty, if he went on The Voice, would the judges turn for him? Keith Urban might turn, turn for him. Was, was, yeah. It's called The Voice. Yeah. I, yeah, no. about, I love Slim to death. He's a... Australian legend. But is his voice good enough to have a chair turned on a show called The Voice? Yes. Yeah. No. No, I'm going no. I'm going no too. Okay. Wow. Thanks. I reckon there's a few people that might go no, but he would for me. Yeah. Good on you, Bobby. I'm sure he appreciates it, mate. Thanks for your call. And, and, and go the Keeney too, Luke. You go in the Keeney. Go the bikini. You can't get rid of the bikini. That's ridiculous. But no, it's not the bikini. It's the G-string thing that G-string goes up your ass. It's a, yeah. 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 <laughs> thanks, mate. Appreciate it. We, thanks, mate. Cheers. All right. No worries. Lunch, <laughs> the quickie. It's got to go. Adam's given away the clue of the century. It's a title track. It's an Australian artist. What is it? And I've got to play this now. I've got to play this now. Otherwise, I just won't be able to rest. How good was this? Unlock the door and light the fire My head is filled with sweet desire Slip into something comfortable Now you don't have to fly so low Don't have to eat or sleep alone I'm making my way home to you Don't worry it's alright, I'll be coming home to see you tonight Don't worry, it's okay, I'll be coming home to see you today Just telephoned, I had to say, this boy of yours is a-okay No need for tears, I'm on my way Too many weeks I've had to hide my face as I tore up inside Coming home to see you tonight Don't worry, it's okay I'll be coming home to see you today I'll be coming home to 
How good are they? The radiators here on the night shift. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Nineteen seventy eight, I think the radiators started playing in pubs, and that's another thing about pubs. If the pubs close down because the beer is too expensive, where else, Adam and uh, Reverend Jim? Where else do great Australian bands like the Radiators ply their craft? We're running out of that- we're running out of venues now because of the NIMBYs. There are people who buy properties now in suburbs that have had a long tradition of pubs and pub rock and they don't want the noise and they're complaining to council and more and more pubs and these venues are shutting down their live music because of the new residents in the area, Adam. Exactly. It happened to one of the home of Australian rock, of Sydney rock and roll, the Annandale Hotel. Um, it was synonymous with um, rock bands coming up through the through the ranks and then, like you said, the people moved in and said, we don't like the noise. It's um, it's a travesty. It's slowly coming back. There's some venues around, but it's not it's not like the Halcyon days. I mean, and so many great Australian bands learnt their craft by playing live week after week after week for virtually nothing. Well, uh, this is the thing, Lukey. There's, it, that coming through the ranks doesn't exist anymore because you don't need to be well... You don't need to play well live. You're a studio band. You got to have. You got to look good. You got to have a good film clip, and that's it. Mm. The music's third. That's right. So, and um, because of technology, you don't need to hire a um, ten thousand dollar a day studio. I mean, you, you, know, right. you can get a sound mixer now on your computer, download it, um, and if you've got, and everyone's got decent microphones these days. So if you can record and get your song on YouTube, you might only need one or two songs. You don't need a three-hour set. That's right. And at times you don't even need a full song because, you know, just a clip on TikTok, if that goes viral, you get all the hits and everything like that. People know who you are. No, I worry about the young people of today. I really do. (laughs) With their G-strings and their... TikToks. TikTok. (laughs) Oh, the world's going to shit. One triple three five three is the number. G'day, Luke. What's the quickie? G'day, mate. It's um, Blue Sky Mines Midnight Oil. Nah, sorry. Nah, sorry. All right, no worries. So that reminds me, um, people who are old enough to remember, what's the best band you saw at your local pub? Five bucks to get in, and you got to see. Three hours, your feet was, would stick to the carpet because of all the beer. Narrabeen Antler comes to mind. And I was lucky enough to grow up in an era where every Friday and Saturday night there was a pub near us that had the Angels or Spy versus Spy or the Farris Brothers that became in excess or they had, um... Cold Chisel, Midnight Oil. Yes. 
they had um, Rose Tattoo down Rose at the Queenbean Hotel last weekend. Yeah, a couple of a couple of the boys from work went and said it was a great, still a great show. You know, with Angry still um, holding the reins at the front, they said it was wonderful. One triple three five three. The best band that you saw in a pub. I don't want a big stadium. I don't want a big Tay-Tay. Can you believe the Taylor Swift phenomenon? And she's not even here yet. Can you believe Yeah, well, you know, she she doesn't hold the... She did hold the record for the biggest concert, the most most attended concert. But then Metallica blew it out of the water. Is that true? Um, Metallica yeah, beat Metallica. Yeah, Google Metallica concert in Russia. And the numbers they had there is just... It's ridiculous of how many people bought a ticket to see Metallica in Russia. One triple three five three. Ian, good day. How you going, Luke? I'm good, thank you, Ian. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And I just to let you know the radiators are playing um, tonight at Ambervale Tavern at Campbelltown. There you go. Wow. I've seen the radi- I've seen the radiators play. Yeah, they're um, playing tonight that- at uh, Ambervale. They're still going. Isn't that great? Yep. Yep. And, and do they play all their songs? Uh, I hope so. No tragedy. But... Give me head. Who, who remembers? <laughs> Give me head. Yeah, they'll, oh, they'll play them all, all those. Yep. When I when I when I played in a band, I we did a a, a small tour and we were the support act for Ganga Jang. Ah, oh, Ganga Jang. Ganga Jang. You know their their big what their big hit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and they so they played it the first song of their set S- and the last sounds song of, of their then set. sounds of then. Yeah, and we sit on the port, looking on the over patio. Ca- out on the patio, looking over Canefields, and think this is Australia. That's right. Yep. So they played it first, and they played it last in this set. Ganga Zhang. sounds of then. Good on you, Ian. Ian, are you an old rocker? Oh, certainly, yeah, mate. I've seen the Angels, Screaming Jets. Um, yeah, I've, I love the pub scenes. The wife's off tonight to see the Pink. And I don't like the stadiums. I'd rather do the pub scene. Yeah, the big stadium. Yeah, for sure. It's more personal. Um, you're close to the band. And uh, these stadiums, oh, my God, they just give you a headache. <laughs> what What is the go with the big stadium? You're up the back and you can't – I mean, all you can see is the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, you're just watching just the impossible. screen. You're just watching the yeah. screen. What's the point? Yeah. I don't know. But the wife seems to love it. She. I mean, you it. haven't lived until you've been to a, a pub with Cold Chisel and Jimmy Barnes throwing vodka at you. <laughs> and he didn't. Th- oh, oh, I went and saw the. Uh, I went and saw Dragon once, and Mark Hunter spat Scotch whiskey at the at the crowd. Yeah, uh, Doc Neeson throwing his scarf at us. Doc Neeson, what a great front man. Yeah. yeah, God bless him. What a showman. Yeah, it was. Ian, thanks for your call, buddy. No worries. Thanks, Luke. One triple three. Good on you, Ian. Yeah. One tri- the Quickie, it's a title track. It's an Australian band. The song is the title track from a significant album. What's the Quickie? Come on, folks. It has to go. Um, Wayne's online. G'day, Wayne. Welcome to the Man Cave. What's on your mind? Yeah, I was um, just going to talk about the... Uh the batons and all that sort of stuff. What? Yes, we had a phone call from Reese, who was a wannabe politician in Brisbane. He, he's an independent. And he believes that Australians have the right to carry tasers. What else was there? 
um, uh, pepper spray. Pepper spray, Batons, pepper spray yeah. Be- be- because of the way the world is and for protection. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think um, we don't need the weapons as, as much, but uh, capsicum spray, I don't see a problem with that. Um, yeah, I've been in security and I've caught capsicum spray before, so yeah, okay. yep. makes you cry for a little while. <laughs> All right, but, but what about the flick stick? Why did you have to have capsicum spray, Wayne? I was doing security and I was uh, involved in an incident and the police come along and sprayed everybody. And, oh, and you, yeah. had a, you, you were a bystander? Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, it, what's it do to you? Oh, it just makes a grown man cry. <laughs> Does it completely disable you? Yeah, yeah. You won't see. You, you're too busy with tears in your eyes. Does it do permanent damage to your eyes? No, 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 no. 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 It doesn't all. do any permanent stuff. That's what I think. You know, um, with capsicum spray, it's it's not harmless, but yeah, it's not going to do damage to you as such. Okay, so you not think long term damage? No. All right. So Wayne says not all weapons are necessary, but capsicum spray. We should have capsicum spray. Yeah, and I think yeah, well, I think your batons and stuff. Yeah, that's breaking bones and all that sort of stuff. That's probably not necessary but yeah um can't really say too much about knives because every household's got one but well i did a thing on air ages ago i said give me a call tell me do you have a weapon next to your bed because you're concerned about home invasions and the phones went into meltdown and so many people said yep i've got a cricket bat or a baseball bat right next to the bed so there you are people don't feel safe people don't feel safe that's a problem it's a very big problem. It's very scary when you think about it. Um, and look, Wayne, I'm quite happy with people having the batons because, uh, you know, as long as people do the right kind of training, uh, I don't see why they shouldn't have them. Uh, same with the pepper spray. But uh, as you probably heard, I, I have to draw the line at the taser. Okay. The re- the, this is the Reverend Jim Reynolds who's with us on the Man Cave today. Adam. Yeah, like I said, I don't think... Um I don't think any of it. I think it's just something else that people can take off you and use against you. Um, if there's an issue, do you, you have a weapon? You, you run. You get out of there. Do you have a weapon? Do, do you have a weapon next to your bed? No. Nah. Never thought. Well, see, so you were in Canberra. If you lived on a Gold Coast, I lived in. I lived in. I lived in Campsie, So and, and I you, never. And you never I had never a weapon. Had one. Did you have a watchdog? Nah. Did you have a vicious dog? I have a. Um, mini foxy called moose <laughs> but, but no <laughs> yeah all right wayne thanks for no, your call i mean i don't i don't i don't i don't know i just i don't i don't think i've got to uh i've got a right and a left k kj hello hey how you going good kj welcome to the man cave what's okay. going on kj i have i finally finished work early enough to call you talk about my life I, I can't hear you did you hear that just take a step to the left, KJ. Sorry, I'll just pull over one second. What do you want to talk about? Um, my local pub. Yes. Oh, yes. What is it? Um, well, I, I, there's two um, at, in Chinchilla. We've both owned and run by the same people. Uh, one is definitely a fly-in, fly-out. They cater for the, the workers. And the other is the local. And yeah, right. Without it, there's so many. I mean, I've made so many friends, older gentlemen, 
and I've lost their wives a long time ago. And without that social life, we 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 run a bull comp every Saturday, and you know, without that place to go, like like you call it, um, Luke, it is their church. It's, it's my church. church. That's what the Reverend Jim was saying when uh, we were talking about the excise tax just slipping in again. Does it twice yearly? And uh, in some pubs, they're going to have to charge $15 for a schooner. And it could sound the death knell for some country pubs. And the Reverend Jim rang in on Monday and said, I honestly believe this. And this is the guy who is the head of the Outreach Ministries Australia. And it he said, tears to my eyes, Luke, when I heard, I heard it. I heard it back um, for the first time when you played it back. I heard it live at work. But when you played it back, it literally brought tears to my eyes. Um, yeah, what he said really touched home. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not often that uh, people I get to hear those comments. So I'm, I'm, I'm really humbled by that. So what the Reverend Jim said, folks, if you've just joined us on Monday, um, he said, uh, people aren't going to believe me saying this, but I honestly believe that a small country town needs a pub more than it needs a church. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. KJ, thank you for your call. Your call. No, thanks. Always love calling. Okay. Uh, Good very on you, quickly, KJ. too, I've, I've been on Nature B now for about four months, five months. Tell what's it done for you? Definitely helps me with my focus. Um, at work, I'm easily distracted, but it has helped me with my focus. Um, sleep, because I work, I'm a baker because I sleep, sleep through the day. Um, I've always, I've been nocturnal anyway, but it's helped me get a solid sleep. See, perfect. Um, yeah, and... I, yeah, I was sick, so sick the first two weeks I was on it. Um, but after that, everybody around me is sick, um, and yeah, I haven't, I haven't been there sick. You go. Because it boosts your immune system. See, it's got all these vitamins, and it's all natural. It's just from Mother Nature. I mean, you can't say this. The TGA would not allow me to say this if it wasn't true. It's been proven. Weight for weight, pollen has more calcium than milk. It has more protein than red meat and more iron than spinach, plus a whole bunch of other antioxidants. It's just brilliant. Power some, pollen. And if you order now, you get a week not, for free. Something that you, it, it's not advertised, it probably doesn't do for everybody, but I've actually lost two dress sizes as well. You know why? Yeah. I reckon it's because you've got more energy and you're exercising more. I, I don't actually exercise more because I... I, I Wake of a night time and sleep through the day. But if you, I reckon you might be burning more calories because you've got more energy because that's what power pollen does. It gives you more energy. Listen, thank you so much, KJ. You take care of yourself, Dale. Have a great morning, fellas. See, see you, KJ. Powerpollen.com.au. You know what I always find interesting about country towns how some towns have the top pub and the bottom pub, or they've got two pubs and your loyalty is always split. Yes. And you don't, like, if you drink at the top pub, you don't, yeah. I don't drink at the it's bottom like pub. It's like holding That's them forward. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. And then, um, I really and- like that. And I'll tell you, I went to a country town looking at a job the other week, and we went to have lunch. It was about quarter to two, and we went to one pub, and they said, look, we're not going to, the kitchen closes at two, we're not going to take your order. So we went to the other pub, and they said the kitchen closes at two, but we'd be more than happy to serve you. Yeah. And see, the, there was a, just a, just the difference in the two, the two attitudes of the pub was um, was noticeable. If, is I your is your pub your town's church? One triple three five three. I've got to take a break. Back in a sec. 
Adam McDonald, are you on Sunrise today? Are you, are you on Channel 7 today? You were, you were last not, week. It yeah, was, it was last you week. You were not, sensational. Not you were talking <laughs> about old DVDs and what they're worth now. What's If you're going to go to a garage sale and you, there's a bunch of DVDs there, which one do you go for? What's the most valuable? Um, the most valuable one I found was a um, – there was a short-run Inspector uh, – was no, a short-run Ghostbusters animated series – Mm. Um, and they, they put out a DVD. It's called the original Ghostbusters, and they're prob- they're worth like six hundred bucks or something, really? something crazy. But there is a big genre of uh, Japanese schlock horror movies that you know they you can get thousands for them. But you know you know how they used to be. It used to be now. Well, now there is straight to Netflix mm. where they don't go to the movies. When all these sort of schlock horror movies go straight to DVD. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a market, definitely a market out. Pee Wee Herman stuff. Early yeah, UFC I saw you doing Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Anyway, Aussie, Aussie pickers, you know, all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of quality TV. Yeah, there's a new Adam. Have you seen there's a new Ghostbusters film out in the next month or so with the OG cast? Like Bill Murray and everyone. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Look at the trailer. Dan it looks Hackboy. fantastic. Yeah, everyone who's still alive is in it. I kind of get, I kind of get a bit jaded. Can't we just get some new ideas instead of just rehashing? There's a big trend of reviving IPs that did really well, and I think it's I get a big it. Romanticizing of that period yes. where everyone loved whatever it was. Yeah, yeah I get it. You've, we're, we're selling, you're selling, um, selling memories. You're selling, you're selling. Yeah, uh, is it going to work? Ghostbusters. No, I probably Ghost, will. I, mean, I love the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I like the fantastic. second one. I love the second one too. Yeah, me too. Is Rick Moranis going to be in it? Hasn't he retired? Oh, he, has, he has to be. Yeah. He, he, Surely. Sigourney, is she in it? Surely. Yes, my girlfriend's a dog. That was a great line, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. He's, he slimed me. G'day, Rick. Yeah, was, Rick. G'day, fellas. How you going? Good, thanks, Rick. All right, Rick. What's going on? Oh, I just I have to have a laugh with this, all that about the bikinis. It'd be a yeah. brave person to tell any woman what you can and can't wear, wouldn't you? Yep, exactly. Oh, this boy, this fella's <laughs> having a shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like what a what a waste of time and money you know, complaining about rubbish like that. Well, they're having a demonstration on the along the Gold Coast today, six o'clock this morning, and it's called "Free the Peach." <laughs> <laughs> It's, and if you don't like it, just turn the other cheek. Yeah, like, right. get over it, mate. It's I, I com- don't get it myself. <laughs> Do you think... I, the- I, grew up, I, I grew up with four women, three sisters and a mum, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't dare tell them what I can or can't do. Okay, but tell me, your th- three sisters and a mum, what if they all wore the G-string bikini? Would you encourage that? Uh, I wouldn't particularly want to see it myself. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you, but you wouldn't say anything. No, no, no. To each their own. Good idea. All right, Rick, I think you're right. It's a very brave man that tells any woman what she can and can't wear. Yeah. And there are some true. questions that women ask you don't answer. Does my bum look big in this? You don't. What's the What's the correct answer? I've would you like wine. a cup of coffee? Would you like Would you like a cup of coffee? Did someone say KFC? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <His> sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> G'day, Greg. Hello, how you going? Good, mate. What's up? Um, just want to go over the quickie. Yes. All right, Greg, what have you got? I think it's um, in excess, don't change for me. No. no. Sorry, Greg. 
G'day, is it Jai or Jay? Jai, 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 how you going? I'm good, Jai, how are you? Yeah, I'm alright, I think I've nailed it, but... Okay, hang on. Uh, yeah, it's Australian, Australian band, 1980s. It's a title track. Well, the, the iconic ACDC back in black, and that's uh, Angus Young riff. Oh, Adam, we got there. We got there right on the bell. There's a buzzer yeah. beater. Jai, congratulations. Stay there. You've won a Triple M T-shirt. It's not as pres- it's not as prestigious as it used to be since Mark Beretta won the quickie this oh. time last week with Hungry Like the Wolf. However, okay. however, Jai, st- stay there. Uh, we'll see what else we can give you. Have a good day. Would you like to introduce your song? Yeah, well... I said, iconic Andrew Young back in black. On Triple M. Oh, right. <laughs> Couple of questions for you, uh, Adam McDonald, before you leave us. Yes. Uh, yeah, back in black, 1980, the big comeback album. Um, and people said, uh, you know, Brian will never, ever, ACDC won't live uh, long enough um, with a new singer. But they did. Certainly did. Eh? Um, I wonder if you can still go to Asheville Boys High to the school uniform pool and get the cap and the jacket and the tie. Maybe. If you have a look on the, the, the Who Made Who tour shirt, Angus is wearing a Crow's Nest Boys High tie. It was, Asheville, it was, it was Asheville Boys High originally. Yeah, right. I thought Malcolm went to North Sydney Boys. No, it's Asheville Boys High. Yeah, right. Angus. Because, yeah. of course, they all they all were um, out here as migrants. And, yeah. Because remember, you've got um, Harry Vander and George Young. Now, George was the oldest, and he formed the Easy Beats. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it was, Ang- it was Angus's sister who said, why don't you dress as a schoolboy? Yeah. And I'm sure uh, it was Asheville. I'm sure and he it was, did it once, and uh, it stuck. It stuck. Um, Chrissy Amphlett from the Divinals, she wore a school uniform too, didn't she? Yes, she did. Oh, wow. God, uh, Boy. Yeah. <laughs> See, now we'll get branded as sexist after this. Oh, come on. We'll be in trouble. Oh, I'll be up before HR before you know it. I'm surprised I haven't been no, up there I'll already. You. I'll meet you there. Adam McDonald, the um, vice-captain of the Man Cave. Thank you so much for that. He is the General Manager of All Bids Auctions. What do you got coming up and how do people find you? Find me at allbids.com.au. Uh, have a good look, all you long-distance drivers. We've got some good heavy rigs and machinery up at the moment. So allbids.com.au. Have a look at the Murrum Bateman sale. I'll talk to you next week, brother. See you, Skip. Good to see you, Rev. See you soon. You too, mate. The Reverend Jim Reynolds has been our special guest here on the... On the Man Cave today. Thank you, Reverend, the boss of the Outreach Ministries Australia. Did you have fun? Mate, I always have fun when I come up here and visit you the studio. Do I? Have we been absolved? Do we need to go to confession? Are we okay? No, I think you're absolved of all your sins. We're all fine. Just Really? Clear, just clear that history for me. <laughs> <laughs> have a good day, you two. Thanks for your time. No worries, mate. See you. The Night Shift continuing. 
Yes, and plenty more still to come here on the night shift. Good to be with you. Michelle Bishop from Channel 7 Sport joining us shortly with a look at what's happening this weekend. Um, Dr. Keith Souter joins us. Now, you're going to hear today and over the weekend more about this former Fox News host, Tucker Carlson. I don't know whether you know much about Tucker Carlson. He used to have his own talk show on Fox and he got the punt. And um, anyway, Tucker Carlson, it's well known, uh, has a lot of time for the um, president of uh, Russia, Vladimir Putin. He also has a lot of time for Donald Trump. And for some reason, Tucker Carlson has been granted an interview with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, in Moscow. Carlson said earlier on his news station, X, that he wanted to do the interview because Americans have a right to know all they can about a war that they're implicated in. Now, it's Putin's first one-on-one interview with a Western journalist since the full-scale war in Ukraine. Two years now, can you believe it? And Tucker Carlson believes that the West has the right to the truth. Now, there are two American journalists incarcerated in Russia who tried to broadcast the truth and they were arrested. So this has got me scratching my head a little bit. So there's one thing. The other thing is that, as you know, earlier in the week in Gaza, Hamas proposed a three-stage ceasefire. They wanted it to go for 135 days, and they said, look, we'll release all the hostages. But Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, said no. He knocked it straight on the head, and he thought the proposal was stupid. He rejected the Hamas ceasefire deal, and that deal, according to Hamas, would have ensured the return of hostages still held in Gaza. Netanyahu has renewed a pledge to destroy Hamas. He says there's no alternative for Israel but to bring about the collapse of Hamas. So there's a fair bit to talk about this morning. And uh, Dr. Keith Souter joins us on the telephone right now. Dr. Keith, probably on on your way to, to Sunrise on Channel 7. Gosh, you should just live there. You're, you're there nearly every day, Dr. Keith. What a week, eh? The night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. We've got Call of the Week coming up soon. It's a ripper. And uh, in just a moment, Mark Barretta, Channel 7 Sunrise. We'll have a look at sport. Thanks to Nature B, Power Pollen, powerpollen.com.au. Uh, Barretta is with us this morning. Mark Barretta from Channel 7 Sunrise. He's on his way into the studio, but he's pulled over in his car to have a chat, and I really appreciate it. Are you where... I- are you wearing? Are you wearing your t-shirt or not? Uh, it hasn't arrived yet, Luke. But I cannot wait. Did I mention uh, I'm a, a Triple M Quickie uh, night shift winner? Right? I'm very excited about that, mate. Just for those who don't know what we're talking about, of all the years that Mark Barretta, Channel Seven Sunrise, has been—he's a pest. He's texting me and texting me every morning. Is it this? Is it this? And he's never got even the artist right, let alone the artist in the song. Never yeah. once. Maybe, it, maybe better if I stick to sport than music, I think. Anyway, I'm going to give you another shot. <laughs> yep. Good morning, Tom. <laughs> Mark Beretta. What's the quickie? Is it hungry like the wolf Duran Duran? Oh, thank Christ for that. 
Seven years. Seven. Still magic, isn't it? Still magic. Seven years. And he, and Brett, he texts me every second day. Is it this? And I and I've got a funny yeah. feeling in the history of the quickie. I don't think you've even got the right artist. No, I don't think I have. But I'll tell you what, has there been a greater moment? Maybe Australia 2 winning the America's Cup might have been might have equaled that, but that was a special moment. I think everyone listening that morning will remember. It was great. They'll know where they are. In fact, we were, Albanese said, anyone who sacks someone for not going to work today is a bum because Barretts has <laughs> won the... Say that. Now, I, right. I got a funny feeling yeah. that your Triple M T-shirt might be waiting for you at Everly. And if it oh, is, I hope so. Well, I got an email last night to say it's arrived, so um, fingers crossed. Okay. I got your extra, extra large. Yep, you beauty. And uh, is that what we got, Thomas? Hang on a second. Just let me check. I, uh, I liaise with uh, Barrett's on his Oh, size. You've, you've done the liaise. Okay, well, I, I shouldn't yeah. have said extra, extra. We, we got you the right yeah. size. And we've also... We went, yeah, we went big, yep. And then we... Yeah. We were going to go the extra, and because we are, we, we're in, we're in full support of the um, Bear the Peach protest on the Gold Coast this morning in favour of the bikini, um, the, the G-string bikini protest on the Gold yep. Coast. This morning. We're going to send you. Out. Yep. We were going to get you a triple M G-string, um, but we didn't have room for the triple or the M. But. Maybe, maybe do we have triple M's budgie smugglers? That's what. That's what I'd like to know. But anyway, oh, Mark Barretta, Channel Seven. <laughs> um, look, so, are you going to wear the t-shirt on sunrise today if it's there? Luke, if it's there, when I get to the mail room today, I'll go past the mail room on the way in this morning. Yeah. And if it's there, I'll grab it, rip open the packet, put it on, and I reckon at the end of the show today. It, it, it deserves, I mean, it's a great moment in Australian music and it needs to be celebrated. So, um, yeah, I'll whack it on, whack it on at the end of the show today. <laughs> God, you make me laugh. Hey, Barretts, what's happening in sport? What's going on with the Gabba? They've decided not to knock it down and rebuild it. What's going on? Well, this is interesting. I must admit, as a, as a sports lover, um, I'm a, a little bit in two minds about this because I love a great big new stadium. And I think new stadiums bring so much life to a city. You know, it attracts big events, big shows. It becomes a real, you know, it becomes a real focal point. And the Gabba is, you know, let's face it, the Gabba has had its day. It's an older stadium now and it does need a bit of, bit of love. Maybe there is a better way to do it. But the people have spoken. Um, and I had, uh, funny enough, I had a beer with a mate at the Port Office Hotel. Uh, he'll be listening this morning. Matty, good morning. And um, he was very passionate about the fact that they were going to knock down a school in order to to revamp the Gabba. And for the local people, that's just a, that's not going to happen. That's a no-no. But the swaying factor actually came from IOC Vice President John Coates. And Coatesy uh, stepped in and said, no, you know, this is this is not in the spirit of the Olympic Games. You know, we don't we don't do this. We don't, you know, we don't upset communities in order to stage a great Olympic Games. And, you know, so that's the final seal on it. And from there, the, the government, the council just said, well, 
we back away. So the options now for the 2032 Olympic Games are to have, a, I guess, a smaller opening ceremony at the Gabba as it is, or take it out and redevelop a stadium out at, out at Chandley. Remember the old the site of the um, Brisbane Commonwealth Games that's in 1982? That's right, in 82, that's right. Uh, out yeah. at with, with Matilda, yeah. so, with, with yeah. Matilda yeah, the winking kangaroo. Matilda the kangaroo. Correct, and the kids coming out of the tummy of the pouch of the kangaroo. That's right, yeah. So, um, so that, that stadium might get rebuilt. Okay, is that a better idea? Oh, look, again, I'm in two minds. I mean, I love... I look at the MCG, I look at Allianz Stadium, the you know the, the Sydney um, SCG, and you, you just stadiums in the middle of cities just just work. You know they become focal points and attractions, and all the great cities have a, a great stadium. And I just think this is hard. The Gabba does need a rework, um, but taking out as much land as they are going to, yeah. and maybe they can keep the existing site and redo it. You know, in a way where they build over the roads or whatever it is, uh, but there must be a better way to do it. But the Gabba needs it. Um, but yeah, it's a good it's a good solution. It's on the table now, which is great. Mark Beretta is with us from Channel Seven Sunrise. We're looking at sport. The Super Bowls on Monday. This is amazing. I can, I can't begin to tell you how many Australians I know take Monday off, and it takes hours to watch four fifteen minute quarters. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a beauty. It's such a festival. What about uh, the girls I work with, Nat, who you know, and Edwina? Um, they only watch for the halftime show. So I think um, Usher's doing the halftime show. That's always a spectacle. It is worth watching for, but you've got to remember there's a great football game around it. Um, the great story, I mean, Travis Kelsey, or as he's better known, Travis Swift's boyfriend, is probably the star of the show for the Chiefs at the moment. It's the Chiefs Chiefs and the 49ers this year, which is, is going to be a good one. I just heard a few of the experts overnight in the States of all tipping the 49ers, which is interesting. So... Uh, but you'll see it on seven on Monday. Huge spectacle, the most watched sporting event in the world each year. Um, massive audience across the US. America stops in many parts of the world. The world stops as well. And and it's become a real tradition here, Luke. It's really growing. And people have their Super Bowl parties. Uh, they'll watch at work. Um, see it on seven from uh, 10 o'clock. We're actually the Super Bowl warm-up show on sunrise in the morning. So you can just watch sunrise right through to Super Bowl. It's a great day. Okay. I don't get it, but I know that the most important part of Super Bowl is the halftime ads, or the, the entertainment and the ads. <laughs> yeah, correct. Look, it is a spectacle. The halftime show is always brilliant. Um, Rihanna did it last year. It was just mind-blowing. Um, always, just always something, you know, that just makes you go, wow. Have they thought of meatloaf? Multi, multi-millions of dollars. <laughs> Uh, they haven't, not since the AFL uh, used meatloaf. <laughs> Has anyone really talked about using meatloaf for a sporting event? What about Billy Idol? Could be on the table, Luke. I'm an ideas man. Uh, Billy Idol might be good. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're big picture. Yeah, yeah I don't know where you're going. That's good. <laughs> uh, who's going to win? Um, I'm going to go with the experts. I'm just, yeah, look, to be honest, I'm going with the experts in the States. They say the 49ers are... You'd have to lean that way. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. I saw some great pictures on Sunrise yesterday of the surfing at Pipeline in Hawaii. Take us through it. Uh, magnificent. First pro tournament of the year. Been slow to get going. They've had trouble with, with number one, wind, um, just too blowy, and, and number two, the swell's not been great. But they're underway. The men's are underway. We've got Aussies leading in both at the moment, both in great shape. Um, the two best waves the men's best wave and the women's best wave have both been by Aussies. Molly Picklum, um, who's our rising women's star, was brilliant. And she just looks like, um, when I say rising star, she's there, number one. But number two, 
next couple of years, she's going to be the unbeatable woman in world surfing. So keep an eye on Molly Picklum. Um, but we're looking really good. And remember, too, we've got Olympic Games coming up with surfing, too. So, you know, that that's great for our Aussie surfers. But Pipeline's always, it's such a, you know, it's really, I guess, the jewel in the crown of the world surfing season. So to kick the year off at Pipeline and see those incredible waves. And the, as you say, Luke, they were incredible yesterday. Look spectacular. Backdrop's amazing. And the surfing season for 2024 is underway. And our Aussie's looking really, really strong. All right. One last thing. I was amazed to, because I was listening um, to the radio of the One Day International between the Australian women's cricket team and South Africa at North Sydney Oval. And as I was driving to work, I saw the lights. And and I thought, oh, yes, that's right. That's right. That's on. And then I, and and it was exciting. Australia got beaten. Australia got beaten and uh, the Australian women's Mm. cricket team very rarely loses. So it was a wonderful win for the South Africans. Then I find out that there was only 871 people there. What? What? How? How is that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Luke. It, look, it's interesting, and and I mean, you're right. The women's cricket team are one of our real. You know, they they are one of our forefront teams. They're just amazing, and and a real. And this particular era, like to watch it at the moment. Yeah, you know, who knows when we'll see a women's team this, this with this amount of talent again? Oh, yeah. So it's a great time to catch them. I don't know why bums aren't going on seats. They're certainly they're tuning in on TV. Obviously, yeah. We, it's prime time TV at the moment, so people are watching at home, but they're not going to the games. So mm. I don't know how that is. It too work. expensive? Maybe there's so much sport on at the moment. There's so much cricket. Uh, the cost could be an issue too. I mean, let's face it. Everyone's everyone's trying to save a buck at the moment. So yeah. you know, when you look at taking the family to a night out of the cricket, mm. you know, it becomes probably a hundred dollar plus exercise. And mm. you just go, gee, well, let's let's just you know watch it at home, and mm. uh, maybe that's uh, the way to do it. I don't know, but it's a shame because. They deserve our support, Luke. They're an outstanding team, a great bunch of champions, great role models for women as well. What they've done for women's sport, our women's cricket team, is mind-blowing. You know, and they deserve support and bums on seats, but you know, we've, just, we've just got to get people there. All right. Hey, Barrett, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you for pulling over on your way in. I'll probably put you behind schedule. Really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And um, I look forward to seeing you on Sunrise on Channel 7 with your Triple M T-shirt at some point today. And um, I'll be on sunrise at 6.45, scaring women and children, as I usually do on a Friday. Excellent, mate. You are the ultimate ratings puller, so I look forward to seeing you. Yeah, you watch those Oztam results, Friday morning, 6.45. I know, I know. It's embarrassing. Um, (laughs) We call call you the spike. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, brother. Have a good weekend. Love you too, Lukey. Bye, mate. See you later. Mark Beretta, Channel 7 Sunrise here on Triple M. The night shift around Australia with the Triple M Network. Can't wait to see Barrett's in his T-shirt today. I hope it's there. Um, it's time for Caller of the Week. Boy, have we had some calls this week. Uh, a lot of the powerful calls about juvenile crime, and I totally get that. But to put a human side to this and a parent side to all of this, Thomas has quite correctly chosen this call for Caller of the Week. My daughter's 36 now. 
but when she was in her teens, we had so much trouble with her. She had a, a brother with special needs and she thought the world was against her. She went out with a group of friends at 12 years old, jumped out the window, which is the reason why I ended up locking it. And then the cop had told me that I was, uh, it was false imprisonment and couldn't do anything about it. The coppers are more frustrated than what we are, mate, especially when they see parents like me that are willing to do something and want them to do something, mm. but they can't do anything. Take me back. What happened? Next thing we know, we've got the coppers rang us. We've got your daughter down here. I said, yeah, why? What? She's supposed to be in bed. She'd broken uh, $20,000 worth of windows in a shopping centre. At about three hours, the copper rang me and he said, Neville, if you don't come and get this daughter of yours, he said, we'll lock you up. And he said, she's told us that you lock her in a room. That is false imprisonment and you can get into big trouble for it. So here you are. You've got a problem 13-year-old who's climbing yep. out her window, smashing yep. windows, breaking the law on a path to career criminal. And so you've locked your daughter in her room and the copper said, I can charge you. They can tell anyone anything and the parent can get in the deep shit for it. Neville, your daughter is in her 30s now. How do you get on with her now? She says to me, Dad, if I knew what I knew now, I would, you know, we've lost a son through muscular dystrophy and she's lost a son as well. So I've just put me, uh, 12 months ago, put my grandson to rest. And now she's got two more. And this is all because the people wouldn't let us do our job as parents and keep her off the street. If you could talk directly now to other parents who are feeling your frustration, what's your advice? Try not to get frustrated, but you can't help it because we're, we're humans. We're, it's in our blood to, to get frustrated when we can't do what we want to do. What's the answer? There's no answer, Luke. The do-gooders have got to stay out of it and let the parents do what they want to do. But the biggest problem is the kids have lost all respect. Tash Belling has entered the building. I can feel the vibe. We're going to look at news headlines in just a sec. Let's have a look at the news that we're all waking up to today. It is Friday, February 9. Tash Belling has joined us in the building. I felt the earth move, Tash. You did, and you got calls you... about this story, didn't you, this morning on air? Well, we have listeners everywhere, Tash. Incredible. We have our tentacles out there everywhere. We got phone calls this morning from uh, Victoria, uh, people saying that their house was rocking. Yeah, parts of Victoria, as you just mentioned, were rattled this morning after a magnitude 4.3 earthquake shook the region. The epicentre was reportedly near South Gippsland around 1am this morning. There are no reports, thankfully, of any injuries or damage at this stage. But, of course, social media also was affected with uh, people going on social media saying, oh, my gosh, they'd been able to feel this earthquake. You typing there, Luke? Yep. Just, I'm, I'm writing down everything you say, so it's you, uh, you're not listening. I am. <laughs> of course, I'm listening. Uh, um, they said it wasn't big, um, but 4.3. It, it certainly should. Still a big earthquake. It's it not is. massive, no. but enough to feel it. Yeah. Be woken up. What about this right to disconnect legislation? Well, we've talked about that a lot this week. What's been the feedback? Um, well, the feedback is: Do you really need legislation for common sense? Are people being exploited and taken advantage of? And there are some jobs where, for example, the boss might say, there's a change in the roster. Of Some, course. Someone's sick. I need you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep it to that and you don't con- continually bombard somebody with emails and give them extra work after they've clocked off, well, I think, you know, there's, there should be some leeway there. It's a case-by-case basis, I think. I know of circumstances where there are great small business owners that work 24-7 
and have real issues with staff at the moment. And then I know of other circumstances where, especially in uh, bigger corporations, where they really take advantage of the employee. And, you know, they love the email. Sometimes if you do shift work, sometimes people at the desk are sending emails to cover themselves in scenarios. (laughs) The good old email rather than having a front-to-front conversation. We're talking about right to disconnect. This is a bit of a twist. Last night, and this is quite extraordinary, this got in, and I really hope they can reverse this, a bit of a roadblock with the controversial legislation. Labor was forced to re-legislate its right to disconnect bill after the Greens pushed through criminal penalties for employers. So if you were found to have unfairly contacted out of hours your employee via email or phone, you could then face criminal penalties. Oh, really? Some of them were... This is what got through last night, yeah. this kind of twist. So hopefully that will be reversed. But... I, f- I can see both sides of the argument here, Luke. I can too. I just think everything in moderation. And, and if you have a good relationship with your boss, um, they but should. But sometimes you don't have a good boss. No. And and, and the, the thing is, and I might bring Scotty Phillips in on this. Scotty, uh, there might be some people who are afraid to speak out mm. or not return phone calls or not pick up the phone because they'll think, I could get the sack or I might just be ostracized at work. I might, or I might miss out on that promotion if I don't show the boss I'm keen to mm. answer the phone 24 seven. Your thoughts. Good morning, Scotty. Morning, Luke. Morning, Tasha. Mate, I reckon you're, you're absolutely right. This is why this is such a difficult one. Even, even allowing for the legislation that's been enacted uh, and notwithstanding the, the criminal piece that Tasha's has talked about, the, the reality is you've got to ask the boss to stop. And if the boss doesn't stop, then you've got to ask the Fair Work Commission to ask the boss to stop. Oh, the, the idea of by the time you get to that point, you're probably missing it out on a promotion or whatever. Yeah. Because this is a case-by-case basis, There is, you know, if you don't pay the minimum wage and you're on an award, it's an open and shut case, right? The boss has to pay it. There, there is no question. There's no, there's no grey area. It's black and white. If you've got to, so it's got to be repeated. It's got to be about the job. And then you've got to have asked the boss and made, had that negotiation first. And then if that doesn't work, you have to then take it to the Fair Work Commission. Now, in some cases, it's absolutely justified. I'm sure there are people who are being harassed by the boss. In other cases, there are probably people who are doing a job that does require that and would they rather not do it. Again, it's, it's, it depends on the circumstance. But look, by the time you've done that, you've, you've crueled your career at the company anyway. You think, you know, if, if, if you've taken your boss to the Fair Work Commission for your particular circumstance, not a company-wide or you know industry-wide issue like a enterprise bargaining award might cover, yeah. uh, that, that's where you end up in trouble. I think you're absolutely right. Just quickly, what's happening with the markets? Are the all odds, the Australian dollar, gold? What's going on? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I mean, the uh, US market's very flat. Hit a record overnight during the trading day, but now very flat, uh, down about two points. Uh, our market will open down about a tenth of a percent. The Australian dollar down four tenths of a percent, back under 65 cents, 64.92 US cents. Gold a bit weaker, $2,033 an ounce. You have yourself a fabulous weekend, brother, and we'll talk on Monday. Will do. Thank you. All Bye, right. Scott. Bye-bye. I've got a bit of a bombshell for you with the Royal News. Can you uh, answer this question? Why is – we know King Charles has had his cancer diagnosis and we wish him all the best, but Kate is missing in action. I am absolutely blown away by no one is asking questions what is going on with Princess Kate. And you've got a bombshell. No, I'm just saying. Why what are you is saying? No, what are you suggesting? Why is no what one reporting on suggesting? Kate? Look, she went for abdominal surgery, but we haven't had any questions asked. Is she okay? How is she recovering? It's missing in action. I think there's massive stories about to unfold. Just dropping that for you. There she is. Bombshell Tash Belling. <laughs> Boom. Have a good weekend. Allegedly. Bye.
Der Deich freut dich, der Deich freut dich, freut dich Fisch. First Deich Shepherds Boy, Wednesdays are out to be Tuesdays soup. Mondays washing dishes, every morning I'm here. Your better life we all.